Modern smartphones are sleek and thin, but they're also fragile and expensive. If you're really careful, you may use it until you're ready to upgrade without shattering the glass. But if you look around, you'll see most phones wrapped in a case for protection. Our personal data is even more valuable than the device it's stored on, and it deserves just as much protection. The work that I do requires me to travel a lot, which means I'm frequently to connect, connected to unfamiliar networks. Nefarious hackers can make up to $1,000 selling the data of each of their victims on the dark web, and there are cheap hardware and software tools readily available that let even a smart middle schooler snatch your data without you even noticing. A virtual private network, or VPN, like ExpressVPN, creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your devices and the servers that you're transmitting data to and from. When you're, when you're sitting at the airport gate area, or airline lounge, or even your hotel room, those Wi-Fi networks aren't secure. Your bits are flying through the air, and whether you're checking your bank account balance, sending data to a client, or just checking your email, bad actors can snatch up your usernames, passwords, and everything else you send and receive if it's not encrypted. The layers of security used by ExpressVPN would take over a billion years to expose by bad guys with some of the most powerful supercomputers. ExpressVPN trusted server technology also runs each session in memory in a unique virtual space that is wiped clean as you end your session with none of your data ever written to a hard drive, so there's no residue for anyone to recover about what you were doing after the fact. ExpressVPN runs on almost all devices, including Windows, Mac, iOS, Linux, Android, streaming devices like Chromecast, Roku, Fire Stick, and Apple TV, and there's also a Chrome browser extension. It's super simple to use. Once you install ExpressVPN, it's one click to establish a secure encrypted tunnel with servers in 105 countries around the world. I've personally been paying for and using ExpressVPN for years on all of my personal devices. When I, started, when I first started using VPNs for work more than 20 years ago, they were often slow and unstable and had to be restarted frequently. But with ExpressVPN, data speeds are virtually unchanged from running fully exposed, so you can just turn the VPN on and leave it on. I often get materials from clients and companies that are, that are under embargo or NDA, and if it leaks out, I can get into some trouble. But even if I just wanted to reach back to my personal server to grab some files, check my email, or watch something that's only available on one of my streaming services at home while I'm out of the country, ExpressVPN lets me do it all securely. Your data is valuable. Don't let bad actors steal it and potentially misuse it. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash wheelbearings. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash wheelbearings. And you can get an extra three months free when you sign up. Expressvpn.com slash wheelbearings. And thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting wheelbearings. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming up on episode 333, we've got the Chrysler Pacifica plug-in hybrid, the Honda Moto Compacto, the Hyundai Tucson, and a whole bunch of news from CES 2024, including large language models coming to cars, um, Honda Z Series Zero Concepts, LiDAR in, in China, 
uh, Eaton's Mini EV Charger, Supernal, and Xiaopeng showing off flying machines of some sort. The Detroit Auto Show going back to January. Android Auto getting battery information and a conversation with Henrik Fisker. All that and more coming up next. This is episode 333 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abual Samet from Guidehouse Insights. And I'm Nicole Wakelin from The Road Reflected. And I am Roberto Baldwin from SAE International. And uh, Robbie and I managed to get back from CES without any COVID. Woo-hoo. Um, so that to me, that is, that is I don't know, like we should get a badge or a patch or something for that because you know, I, I did I did that in 2020 as well, you know, right when, you know, it was really the arguably the first super spreader event. So, right. Cause I don't know right if they I think everyone was saying they got COVID at, at CES. I think that's one of those, like I saw the band first, you know, well, I saw Radiohead I, with 12 people in a band in a bar in Bristol yeah. or something. I think that's what would happen. Yeah. But well, that I was don't... the year I used, I, I used hand sanitizer. I didn't shake anyone's hands. I didn't hug anyone because the day after I got back at a huge, like two of my bands were playing shows that week. Oh, oh so you yeah. had to be. So I was like super careful that weekend, but I still think that, the um, I got COVID at CES 2020 is very much the I saw, you know, Pearl Jam I was, I was in Seattle at for $3. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I don't I don't I wouldn't say necessarily that that many people got it, but I think enough people got it that were going back to different places that, you know, that's what proliferated it everywhere. Yeah, I do think a lot of people brought it home. Yes. Yeah. Like a delicious. Anyway, anyway. let's talk cars. Yeah. Cars, 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 cars. I didn't drive a car. <laughs> How was it CES? I didn't drive nothing. I drove a well, car. Well, you did. You, 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 rode a, you rode something. Did I? The motor oh, company. yeah, I did. I guess I'll write that the down. You guys keep company. talking. I'll write okay. that to the notes. All right. Nicole, what did you drive? <laughs> oh, I had the Hyundai Tucson. So, uh, and it was the gas engine because it's gas hybrid or plug-in with the Tucson. I just had good old gas engine. So it's a 2.5 liter four cylinder, 187 horsepower. Uh, it moves, you know, it's not supposed to be sporty. It doesn't drive like it's sporty. It's a nice, solid little uh, family SUV. I don't know, is it SUV or crossover? I guess it's technically an SUV, right? Is it a proper? Who the hell knows uh, anymore? It doesn't it's matter. an SUV over? Everything's an SUV now. Um, so, yeah. but it's it's two rows. It's a tall wagon. Five, a tall wagon. But I like this one because you know what? It's not like a crossover that's, too tight, like, so if you put three people in the back, they'd be squished. There's a decent amount of room in the back of the Tucson, um, you know, for shoulder-wise, so three adults could sit across. Um, but for two, it's it's genuinely spacious. I had Russ move the seat back for his six-foot-three and then sit behind his seat, and he was fine. So it's a decent car if you have taller people that are going to ride him back. Um, I, what I like about Hyundai, and I always like about Hyundai, is not only their cars look decent, they have nice trims, but you get a great – they're always a great value. You always get an awful lot of features for the price that you're paying. So I have the limited, which is the top trim. I had it with all wheel drive and it's available with front wheel drive. If you want it, And all wheel drive is awesome, but it's $38,000 ish roughly. I didn't have a Monroni, so I looked it up, but it's around 38,000 just over. So for 38,000, you're getting a vehicle with a lot of features that includes the all wheel drive. You've got heated and ventilated front seats and a heated steering wheel. You've got heated rear seats, which I always think is like the coolest 
luxury to have those outboard passengers have heated seats because people never have heated second row seats. They tend to be something that you get in very expensive cars. You can find them in a mass, you know, more affordable cars like this, but it's not common. Um, so you have that, you've got Bose premium audio, panoramic sunroof, you get a lot of features and there's leather seats. So it looks like a premium car, but it's still a Hyundai. So it's $38,000. You're not paying for a fancy badge on the front of it. Um, and it drives beautifully. I drove it in quite a bit of snow, so it handled really, really well. I didn't have any issues at all getting through little snow banks at the end of the driveway. Um, and there is a snow mode. There's a couple of different drive modes. I tried out the snow mode, but when I went from snow to knots to like, I think it's, is it called comfort? I've forgotten what the regular mode is, but just from snow to not snow mode, <laughs> um, I didn't suddenly notice that the car handled terribly. So even without putting in this little snow mode, it handles just fine. Didn't have any trouble getting through the snow. It was a great car for winter driving. I took it into Boston in a muckety mess, and it was good. Uh, and it has a lot of room for cargo. It's got 41.2 cubic feet behind the rear seats and 80.3 when you fold those seats flat. There are 60-40 split folding seats. That's a good amount of room. You can fit a lot of luggage back there, and it's a nice wide opening. Like I thought about this, and like I don't know if this is technically SUV, like you said we were talking about, or technically crossover, but this really is a great vehicle if you're like, I want the space for my luggage or my kids stuff or the family, you know, weekend project, but I don't want something that's a cavernous, unnecessarily huge size. This is going to hold a family's luggage. No problem. It's going to hold a family. No problem. Has great features. And for $38,000, that's not a bad price. And I really enjoy driving. It's my only gripe. And this isn't this isn't a Hyundai gripe. This isn't every car ever made gripe. I didn't, like I said, I didn't have a Monroni, so I don't know what they called the color, but it was sort of like the interior was a sort of whitish, light grayish kind of leather seats, really beautiful leather seats, really comfortable leather seats that because they were so light were actually the color of your jeans. Like they have that, they take the blue dye. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? I don't know. I don't know why it's always like, like it doesn't happen on tan, like light tan interiors don't suffer this so much, but anything that's a white or light gray, you see it and it makes your seats look awful. Like it really does. And it's not a Hyundai thing. It's in, you can get the most expensive or the cheapest car. If you have those light leather seats like that, they grab the dye from your jeans. So as soon as I get in, I'm like, oh, okay, there we go. The seats were once a paler shade. Now they're less slightly blue tinged. So I that was my only gripe about it. But again, that's not a Hyundai gripe. That's a don't get that color seat in any leather ever if you ever wear blue jeans. Because your seats will be the color of your jeans after you slide in and out a few times. Well, especially uh, if you have uh you know, if you have children, you also mm -hmm. don't do not want anything light like that right? for your upholstery. Because it really, it really does sort of soak in the dirt and the color. So you have to be, you've got, I don't know why you buy an SUV this size if you had, didn't have a family, but like, don't put your kids in this one or put something over the seats and never wear your fancy, nice, dark blue jeans <laughs> or you're going to ruin your seats. Cause it does come off. Like I was talking that you can mostly get it off, but if you've had those seats for, if like you've had the car for a while, remember these are cars that have not been driven for years and years. You know, they aren't getting that kind of lifetime of driving they already have this kind of marks on them. And yeah, you can clean it off, but how often do you want to have to be cleaning your seats? And at some point, you're not really getting all of that blue out of there. You know, at some point, the blue 
is Stan. And it's now a part of the look. And even, you know how leather creases over time from just people's butts being in the seat? As those creases happen, they look even worse because they sort of highlight the creases because the creases are more white and the rest of the seats get that more of that uh, yeah. blue hit. So it makes them look older than they are, even when they're nice, new, still, look, you know, pretty good looking seats. So that's that was my complaint. And it's not a Hyundai Tucson complaint. It's a cars with light leather seats complaint. Do you know if the Tucson you were driving was a 2023 model or a 24? Um, I believe I had a 24. Okay, because I'm 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 looking through the build and price on the configurator on the twenty for the twenty four, and I cannot find anything but black interiors. Really? Yeah. So it's possible it you got 20, a twenty. It said twenty four. And oh, again, I'm going okay. on what I have. the The key fob said twenty four, and I'm yeah. assuming that the key fob is correct. <laughs> Maybe they they ordered money. one into the fleet and then they saw what was going on. They're like, yeah, don't don't offer that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad idea. Maybe. But yeah, but otherwise, I like the Tucson. I generally speaking, I like Hyundai's. Though I feel like they do a good. You know, they're not fancy. They're not over the top, but it looks great. The interior's nice. They're comfortable. They ride well. They get good fuel. They like check, they sort of check all the boxes. They do all the things you wanted to do. And as a family car, I think the Tucson's a great choice. What do you think of the the center stack with the the touch controls on there? I didn't have an issue with it. I was fine with the touch controls. Why? What don't you like about the touch? Uh, you know, the, the, the touch controls again. for the climate and everything. You know, I, they're they're a little fussy to use. Um, you know, without looking at them. Um, and I know we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, there was a auto car uh, UK publication had um, the refreshed. Tucson, which is actually going, they're re, they're redoing the the instrument panel and the center stack and going back to uh, physical controls. So you still get the, the touch screen, but replacing those that touch panel that's below the screen with physical controls. Um, and I would guess that that is going to be coming on the probably on the, the twenty five Tucson here in North America. Yeah, I yeah. didn't find these to be the the like some of the some of these touch controls like this where they control everything are super finicky and fidgety. Mm -hmm. I didn't find these as bad as some. Like it was enough I'm like, oh, I'd rather have a button. I'd rather yeah. have a little something to press. But it wasn't so much so that it was driving me crazy and I couldn't get used to it. So I felt like this one was better all than right. some. It was all right. It was <laughs> it's all right. right. It's all it right. right. I'll yeah. deal with it if I have yeah, to. Exactly. Uh, all right. Um, and uh, let's see. What, what was the price again? Um, it's about thirty eight thousand. It was just over thirty eight for the okay. limited because I said I didn't have a Maroni, so I went and looked. So it, for the twenty four, the the limited with all wheel drive is like thirty eight. I want to say thirty eight two something. So it's just over thirty eight. Okay. Cool. 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 All right. Tucson. Robbie. Yo. You got to ride something in uh, in Las Vegas last week. I did. So I went to the Honda booth at CES, which it was hard to f realize it was the Honda booth. It was just a dark booth with a <laughs> bunch of people in it. And they're like, oh, what's going on over there? It's like a, it was like a club. Have you ever been to a club where it doesn't have like really good um, signage? <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of people there. You're like, well, I got to see what's like, going on. Yeah, probably. And so when I went, I'm like, oh, it's the Honda booth. So, I, you know, the those uh the two Honda concepts look way better in person than they do in the photos. Because in the photos, I was like, eh, yeah, these are fine, whatever. And then well, I went the photo, saw them, like, the photos oh. are kind of dark, too, especially yeah. for the saloon. But we'll talk yeah. about that later. 
So, but uh, yeah, I went in there and I'm like, oh, these are nice. And then I saw someone from Honda PR, and then I saw someone else from Honda PR, then I saw someone else from Honda PR, <laughs> and then I had a um, I had a meeting with somebody that was canceled. So I was, and they were like, hey, you want to go get grab some lunch? And I said, sure. So I went back with them to a uh, to like a meeting room in another hotel. And they're like, hey, you want to ride the Moto Compacto around this media room? And I said, yes, I do. And so <laughs> I rode the Moto Compacto around a meeting room uh, while Honda was eating lunch. <laughs> they had like little chairs set up for like a uh, presentation. And they had rounds set up for people to eat dinner. And then there was like a tape or a lunch. And there was like a table for with a buffet on it. And I just rode the little Moto Compacto around that <laughs> for like 15 minutes. And it was fantastic. So everyone else was was having lunch. You're just turning was, circles around them. Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was uh, enjoying their food, and I was just like, "Wee!" <laughs> so, um, you, you know, you're quite a bit taller than I am. Uh, yeah. So, so I was wondering how comfortable was it for you to ride it? It actually wasn't bad. I thought it was going to be a lot. I, I thought I was going to feel a lot more cramped. The thing with scooters and with uh, something like this is that the sitting it's it's how you sit. So if I get on, let's say, uh, a 600cc sport bike, like a Monster or CBR, mm -hmm. I look like someone hugging a small tricycle is what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> but on the Moto that, Compacto, everybody looks like that. Yeah, so it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I was actually comfortable. The seat, uh, you know, again, I'm riding around on carpet in a meeting room, so I'm not like, you know, on a road somewhere, you know putting this thing through its paces. I'm cruising around a meeting room <laughs> in the convention center portion of a hotel. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it felt comfortable. Um, I, I, I was trying to shoot video, so I was riding it with one hand, which can be, uh, especially for something with, you know, the smaller the wheels, the less uh, stability you have, and the smaller the sort of the wheelbase, the less stability you have. And so it took a few moments, but I, I got it so I could get some, like, shots of the the accelerator going you know the numbers going up and down up to i think i got to a grand total of 12 miles an hour at one point Ooh. which is right under the 15 mile an hour top speed so yeah so it you know i'm, I'm i was uh i was just blazing through the uh <laughs> through that's the pretty thing. impressive in a meeting room yeah well i'm just i was gunning it that's what I, <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah you know 15 mile an hour top speed it has like 12 miles of range um I weigh two, probably 220, and it seemed fine for, for you know, sort of like, as a last-mile vehicle. Like, if you shoved this in the back of your car, you drove into town, you have to park at a garage, and then your work is another half-mile, mile, three miles away for whatever reason. Um, you can hit on this and get on the – ride in the bike lane, bike lane if you're allowed to. Um, some places let you if you're – you know, that's why it has that 15-mile-an-hour top speed. Cruise to work. Carry it upstairs. It's 42 pounds. Yeah. Um, or Oh, wait. Hold on. I found it. 41.3 pounds. <laughs> uh, it's not too heavy. They showed me like they're like, oh, it's one way people write, uh, carry it is they, they put the pegs in. They put the seat down and they turn the steering wheel, but they grab it and then they just walk it while it's rolling. They just roll it along. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you have – especially okay. if you have like a like a, um, like an elevator in your work, then this is great because you can just roll it up. It doesn't take up a lot of room. Plug your plug it into uh, plug you know plug it into the wall and and do your business work. <laughs> it's I mean if if you like you know if you work at a coffee shop or whatever this is still smaller than bringing your bike in which some places are like well where are we gonna park your bike you know we're not a big shop and you know you can, you get a lot of a lot of guff but this thing it's a it's a it's a size of a of a of a box 
for I don't know a it's fairly skinny box at that yeah like it's it's a skinny box you can fold it up and then just plug it in and it's out of everyone's way and then of course after work everyone wants to ride your moto compacto because <laughs> they're you know they, now you're everyone's best friend you're like the kid who got a pool in your neighborhood um, but yeah it has a little bell it doesn't have a, a horn it doesn't have turn signals but you did a, I did a little bell so ding ding so that's you know that's that's nice how did the bell go ding ding okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I like right like it's I, I for a thousand bucks, it feels like it's a pretty really good deal. <laughs> for well, uh, if you're looking at like e bikes, e bikes are can be very, very expensive. Oh, yeah. You can probably get an e bike for about this yeah. much. Um but if you're you know, if you're going to college and you can get one of those scooters where you stand up, you know, like the bird type scooters. Um or you can get something like this if you want to be really cool. Um, so yeah, I think I like the idea. We have more of these like small little last mile or just get around school or just get from one place to you know another in the bike lane, uh, little devices. I think that's, that's great because, you know, sometimes, you know, if you, if you take BART, I could take this on BART. I could take <laughs> this on the subway and, you know, get to my, get to my life where, you know, you bring the bike on the, the BART or on, on the subway, you know. And some some of them some people are fine with, but if it's a busy day, people are not happy with you. Okay. <laughs> I was in New York like a week ago, and there was a person who was doing a food delivery, and he brought his big old bike with the big old box on the back with the food in it, is clonk right in the middle, and everyone's just like, oh, take it up. So, um, you know, nine ninety five <laughs> is the list price, and you know you buy these through Honda dealers. Um, Unfortunately, as is often the case these days. Oh no! Yeah, are you going to break my? Are you going to hurt my 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 feelings with? I, I just I just looked on eBay, and um, there's one here that's listed for twelve ninety five, um, but most of these are running uh, are listed between sixteen hundred and two thousand dollars. Come wow. on, <sighs> yeah, that's I mean, it. This is a fun little vehicle, but I don't know that it's worth two grand. It's not, it's nine hundred ninety five bucks. Fine. Boom. Perfect price point. Two, two grand's a bit too much. No, that's that's ridiculous. You can yeah, get two. Yeah. You get you and for a friend, and you guys could start a gang. <laughs> a gang. <laughs> a moto compacto gang. <laughs> moto compacto yeah, gang. Just cruising around, low speed, hassling the elderly or whatever gangs <laughs> used to do in motorcycles. Selling meth, I guess. Uh, uh, and then trying to get away from the cops. <laughs> Maybe don't start the Moto Compacto game. <laughs> Maybe the Maybe Moto not. Compacto game is just you, you cruise to the bakery and have a croissant, and then you just... <laughs> I think that's I mean, a better I'm down idea. for that game. Yeah, yeah it's, I it's, could it's, do that game. Or, or a big cookie, you know. Yeah, or a big cookie, and you like, you know, you give money to, you know, you go, you go volunteer at like the the senior center in your town. That's that's the Moto Compacto game. <laughs> okay. Or, or uh, you know maybe maybe go volunteer at your local animal shelter and you know yeah. ride around with the dogs you know the dog yeah, run. little walk run around with some yeah. or something yeah yeah, yeah that, that's funny because you're like hey, it has storage you can put a laptop in there I'm like I'm not gonna put my laptop in there <laughs> I just feel like it's gonna be slamming back and forth or yeah. I I don't know well, I, I mean, I would if just... you if you have your laptop in one of those sleeves you know one of those like neoprene sleeves or something. I should be fine, I guess. But okay. I keep my. La I have a backpack that I wear, and that yeah. that's been working out for me for the last twenty years. So I think I'm. I, I don't think I need a, a, an additional spice. Maybe if I'm. I guess I'm riding with two back two laptops, and I don't want the weight of extra three pounds. You know. Yeah. <laughs> cramping my style. That's I can shove nice. it in the Moto Compacto. Or I have a bunch of records. Oh, I should have seen how many there records. Like, if I could put a vinyl in there. Yeah, that would yeah, be perfect. You could, yeah, you, you get, could definitely fit some vinyl in there. And, you know, yeah. that would actually be more secure than sticking those records in your backpack. 
Yeah, you, yeah, you, got, got, you, know, you got rigid sides on the the Moto Compacto. Yeah, you can get like a little bag. You can get you get your little uh, the bag you use to go buy records. You can throw them in there. <laughs> yeah, you could, you could probably home. fit about ten albums in there. Yeah, put them in. Just put them in the bag. Keep them safe. Yep. There you go. I just <laughs> all went. right. All right. Hey, buy, Moto, buy Compacto. Moto Compacto, but don't but don't buy it on eBay. Nope. No. Oh my God. Just if you have to wait, just wait. Yeah. It's a thousand bucks. You've gotten through life so far without it. Just just <laughs> wait till the dealer has it. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I got home from, uh, from Vegas, uh, and picked up a Chrysler Pacifica plug-in hybrid, the last Chrysler standing. This is currently the only vehicle built with a Chrysler badge. Um, now that the 300 is out of production as of a couple of weeks ago. Um, so the Pacifica plug-in hybrid, you know, this is the, the latest iteration of the classic Chrysler minivan, um, and you know the the minivan form factor is still, I I still think it's the best form factor for hauling a family around. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's it's better than here better than here. An SUV. It is. Um, You're right. It's yeah, the best. Better better than an SUV. You got the sliding doors, so you don't have to worry about the kids. You know, opening up the back door and ding <laughs> the, the the car next to you. Um, you got you know lots of room. Um, easy to, you know, if you got to load kids into car seats, it's great for that. You know, I, I don't have that anymore. You know, mine are, are long since gone. Um, but a usable third row. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this one, the one that I've got here is the pinnacle, which has those, those really nice leather pillows, (laughs) the the quilted leather pillows, um, got, got all the goodies on there. Um, unfortunately when I was, Driving it home from uh, the airport on Friday night, uh, I was not able to use adaptive cruise control because the the radar sensor kept getting clogged up with slow snow and slush. Um, and actually, as I was pulling out of the parking lot, the uh, the parking sensor kept beeping at me. Um, so once I got through the um, the payment gate, I had to uh, pull over and just get out and clear snow off the the sensors, the parking, the ultrasonic parking sensors on the front bumper. Uh, cause it, you know, it was causing them to think that there was something there that I was about to run into, even though there wasn't anything there. Uh-huh. Uh, and I've, I've had that problem before, uh, when uh, driving in vehicles in the snow. Um, and that, that is one of the, the downsides of those parking sensors. It happens all the time with every sensor in your car. It's like yep. a Christmas tree of lights when you drive in the snow. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but. You know, the, uh, the Pacifica hybrid, you know, is, you know, this, this is definitely the best version of the, well, it's the best version of the Pacifica if you don't need all wheel drive, because with the gas Pacifica, you know, the gas, all all Pacificas now have, the only engine is the the 3.6 liter Pentastar V6, which is great engine, but you can only get all wheel drive on the regular gas version. Uh, you could not get it on the plug-in hybrid. Um, and you, don't you also lose the stow-and-go seats? You also lose the second-row stow-and-go seats. Yeah. The third-row the seats, third they row. still stow-and-go. Yeah. But the the compartment under the floor where the stow-and-go seats would usually be stowed um, is where the battery is now. So you can't obviously can't drop the seats down in there because there's oh. a battery. You can't um, stow and go. You can take them out, though. I've done that before. When this first came out, I yes, took them out. Yes, you can, you can remove them. Are they hard you, to take out? I've never yeah. taken them out. Were they a pain in the butt? 
they're 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 a pain in the bud. Yeah, um, I think taking out any seat is kind of a pain, just because they're big yeah. and bulky. And yeah, no, no, no more so than they ever were before. There was stolen go, but yeah, you know that that was still a pain in the butt. That yeah, yeah, no matter what, it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> um, although you know this one, the 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 pinnacle trim level, you know the highest end trim level, um, it does have the second row captain's chairs, so you're not taking out a full bench. Um, you have individual seats, so they're a little easier to manipulate. Um, one nice thing about having the plug-in hybrid uh, over the past several days, it has gotten quite cold here in Michigan. Uh, <laughs> it was minus five this morning. Um, and um, yesterday, uh, you know, my wife wanted to go to the gym. And uh, so I offered to, to give her a ride over there. And I had gone out in the car and I had set the schedule, the preconditioning schedule while the car, while the Pacific was plugged in. And so when we got in the car, the cabin was all nice and warm. Didn't have to wait for it to heat up. Um, so that is that is one of the nice things about plug-in hybrids and battery electric vehicles is you can do that preconditioning. You can go and set a schedule, tell it what time you want to leave, set the temperature where you want it. And then while it's still plugged in to the, to the outlet, it will just automatically turn on the heat and start warming up the cabin so that it's at your desired temperature at the time that you want to leave. Uh, so that was a very handy feature. Um, you know, the, the Pacifica, you know, it's been around for a while now and it's more or less in its current form. Uh, one of the nice things that uh, they've done on the, uh, the Chrysler on the Stellantis spec sheets now is in the general information section at the top, it tells you, you know, the vehicle type, in this case, multi-purpose vehicle, not a minivan. It's a multi-purpose vehicle. <laughs> uh, assembly plant, Windsor, Ontario. Um, and then they also have the introduction date, uh, which you don't often find on these oh. kinds of spec sheets. So this was introduced in 2016 as a 2017 model. So that means this thing is almost eight years old now. Wow. But it's it's still a good-looking vehicle. You know, they did a mid-cycle refresh a few years back, you know, updated the, the front fascia to nominally make it a little look a little more like a crossover but not really um but you know it's still still an attractive vehicle uh you know for for what it is for you know a minivan form factor um and uh with the the plug-in hybrid you get 260 horsepower um and uh yeah it's got it's got more than enough performance for this type of vehicle you know it's not a not a sports car by any stretch of the imagination uh, but it's it's more than adequate, and um, yeah, it's it's pretty close to the same, almost the same as what you get with the gas engine, but uh, a little more torque than the gas engine, and it's rated at uh, I think it's 32 miles of electric range. Um, I haven't had a chance to do a range test yet because it has been very cold, um, <laughs> and so I'm guessing you know the. Electric range, you know, in these conditions would probably be somewhere around you know, maybe 20 miles. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in decent weather, it'll go, it'll easily go over 30 miles on a charge, which means that most of the time, you know, if you plug this thing in every night when you come home, it'll be fully charged in the morning. And for most people, you know, most, the vast majority of people, 80% of people drive less than 40 miles a day. You're going to be able to do pretty much almost all of your, your daily driving without using any gas in this thing. And then when it's time to take a road trip to, uh, you know, to, 
Disney World or to visit grandma and grandpa or wherever it is, you know, that people do road trips with their kids to, you just keep driving. And then once it runs out, once it depletes the battery, it behaves just like any other hybrid and still gets decent fuel economy. Um, it is rated at, uh, let's see, 30 miles per gallon uh, combined, um, which is quite acceptable uh, for a minivan. I mean, these things, you know, the gas version, I think, is rated about 21 or 22. So that's a significant boost. And, you know, if you are doing most of your driving on electricity, you know, the average of what you're actually going to be um, spe- you, you know, spending in terms of gas anyway is going to be significantly more than that. So, you know, I like the Pacifica. Um, it's the only minivan with a plug-in hybrid right now. Um, Toyota, the Toyota Sienna is hybrid only now the current generation Sienna, but no plug-in. They don't have a Sienna prime yet. Um, although it wouldn't surprise me if in the next year or two, they offer one, but, uh, for now they, they don't have that. Uh, so you get, you get your choice of gas V6 in the, uh, in the, uh, Kia, uh, what do you call it? Carnival. Now you get the Sienna with just a regular hybrid. And you have the Pacifica with either hybrid or plug-in hybrid as your three minivan choices in the marketplace today. Um, the only downside of this dun, dun, dun. is the price. Base price on the Pacifica, or well, actually the Pinnacle, uh, the only option on this was $195 for the granite crystal metallic clear coat paint. Everything else is standard on this thing, which is good um, because it should be standard at $61,785. That's a lot of money for a minivan. Well, that's just the regular Pacifica. The base entry is like 51, 52, something? Uh, no, I think they start around a little under 40 for the regular gas Pacifica. Not well, not the gas. I'm talking about the hybrid. Yeah. Oh, I think you can get the hybrid for mid 40s. Uh, for the the lower trim levels, um, Chrysler Pacifica. For some reason, the Chrysler website is not loading at the moment for me. Oh, come on, Chrysler, get together! You only got you're only selling one car. Come on, site site can't be reached. One car to have, just one. <laughs> All right, I got it. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. Loading things are loading. Let's see uh, that that build-in price. Wait for it. Wait for it. Twenty twenty-three. Yeah, the Touring now is fifty-one thousand ninety-five dollars. Oof. Is that the the cheapest uh, plug-in a, hybrid version? That's the cheapest plug-in oh, hybrid. Okay, because wow. they had introduced a, a lower trim level of the the PHEV a couple of years right. ago, but they must have discontinued it. Oh, for twenty twenty four, the price starts at fifty three. Ooh, fifty three four twenty five. But you can you can get a tax credit on this because it has a sixteen oh, yeah, kilowatt hour battery. You get the seventy five hundred bucks. Yeah, this is well, one of the cheap. Then it's a bargain the, now. You get the this whole is, shebang. Yeah, this is one of the few vehicles still eligible for tax credits because it's built in North America. <laughs> one of all three of them. Has <laughs> a North American built battery. Uh, so, yeah, so that's the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid Pinnacle. I like that Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid. I yeah. like that Pacifica. I've driven it a bunch. Of, I've driven it a bunch. I've, I've, I've been able to, I drove it a long time ago for a video I've done, I've driven it. I've gotten it in the, when I rent cars, I've gotten it a few times. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Or should I say fantastic? Thank you. I'm here all week. people. <laughs> all week. Uh, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. All right, let's talk about CES. Uh, So one of the topics that kept popping up all over the place at CES this week, not just for automotive, but for everything was AI. <laughs> and of course, automotive had to get in on that. Um, and the, the first press conference of the day on Monday morning was Volkswagen, where they announced that now you get chat GPT in your Volkswagen. If you're in Europe and driving any of the electrics or the new golf or uh, the Tiguan, the new Tiguan, I think. Um, so how, why, how is that going to make your life better? So I got a demo, uh, from them. Uh, so they, they, for their standard voice recognition system, they use a company called Serence. Uh, Serence used to be part of Nuance, uh, a couple of years back, Nuance, which has been the long time, leader in, in voice recognition systems for all kinds of applications spun off their automotive division is Serence. So Serence supplies the voice recognition for um, Volkswagen and a lot of other automakers. And um, we've talked before about uh, voice recognition in Volkswagens um, mm-hmm. and basically how miserable it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it has a, it generally has a really hard time recognizing what you're asking for. Uh, but uh, uh, in this case, what they've done is they've added a connection from the voice recognition system to um, to ChatGPT. So the the version of the voice rec- most the voice recognition systems I've tried in VWs up until now were the older type that the whole system was embedded in the vehicle. So it just used uh, whatever they could fit into the computer in the car to do that which means you had limited uh, vocabulary capabilities. Um, You know, you had to give it very specific commands to get what you wanted. Uh, And then it often still didn't recognize what you were looking for, especially if you're looking for a point of interest. Um, The, uh, the, the new version that, uh, that Serence has is their, um, their chat pro system, which is a hybrid system, which has a component that sits in the vehicle but also uses the vehicle connectivity to do voice recognition in the cloud. That system works better, but it still has a limited, you know, it's 
that's not as limited, but it still has a limited vocabulary. So what happens is when you say, hey, Ida, Ida is the name of the voice assistant that they, that's what they call it in European VWs. And you say, hey, Ida, um, and you ask it for something. If what you ask it for matches one of the commands that the Serence system understands, then it just processes it locally. No problem at all, just as it always has. But if you ask it for something that it that the system doesn't know how to process, then it sends that to ChatGPT, and ChatGPT reformats it into a command that the system can recognize and sends yeah. that back to the system, and then it processes it locally. So an example that they did in the demo, and the, there's a link in the show notes to uh, to the video uh, of this demo. The the example one one of the examples they gave was, "Hey Ida, find uh, Italian restaurants nearby," and so it just processed that find and and said, you know, it gave me gave up uh, popped up a list of Italian restaurants in the nav system. Then she then uh, the person from Serence said, "Hey Ida, I'm in the mood for Ital or I'm in the mood for pasta," and. So it sent that I'm in the mood for pasta to ChatGPT, which reformatted that into find Italian restaurants nearby. It interpreted that as you want Italian food and you probably want an Italian restaurant and sends that back. And then it came up with the same list. So what it's doing is it's enabling more natural language processing, Okay, which is a good thing. Uh, it can also answer general information questions and, and queries and do things like the example they gave during the press conference. And then also during this demo was tell me a story about dinosaurs. <laughs> and so chat GPT makes up a story about dinosaurs, which is fine. You know, I mean, if you're trying to entertain the kids, you know, you yeah. or, or okay. dinosaur aficionados. You yes. Can. Dinosaur right, aficionados. That could Although be too. there's no guarantee that, you know, the stuff in the story is going to be factual. So, you know, it's going to hallucinate the, yeah. the the fun word for lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and the the other thing I asked, you know, was, you know, because because of the hallucination problem that these things have, you know, if it's something like tell me a story about dinosaurs, it doesn't matter if it makes something up because it's, it's all made up anyway. Because dinosaurs never existed, right? There's no dinosaurs. <laughs> it was a hoax. They only um, existed when people were around, like the Flintstones. Yeah, exactly. Eat the Flintstones. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if if you ask it for certain controversial topics, for example, certain political things about things that may be happening in the world, it does have filters in there. So anything like that, it will just say, I'm sorry, I can't answer that question. You can't ask it about sex either. No, you can't. You can't ask it about that either. <laughs> we so so there, you know. there, are, there are limitations. Yeah. So they're trying to make sure that. You know, where where what you're looking for is factual information, it will give you factual information. So it's not going to make up uh, a list of restaurants. And that's why, you know, like the, you know, for, you know, asking navigation, you know, to provide more natural language processing for the navigation, it, you know, it's actually doing that processing locally. So all it's doing is reformatting your query and then sending that back and then searching the, the point of interest database in your navigation system. So as long as that is up to date, that's what you're going to get. Okay, that, that kind of all makes sense. At first, I was sort of like, "Why would you need ChatGPT for this? Like, how would I got this help?" It, but I got to tell me about SAE International. 
Did oh, yeah. it just do a good job? It, yeah, it did a good job. It gave us the, like the whole spiel. <laughs> it just kept going and going. I'm like, all right, well, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I, had, I played with it for a few minutes, and then I had the same sort of demo that that, uh, that Sam had. And, um, yeah, you know, if it, if it, you know, uh, if you need better uh, voice recognition in your car, then you, and, and you can't do it, uh, find a partner that can. Syrians can do it. And if you can, I don't know, get it to say, you know, make up stories about dinosaurs, apparently you can do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and VW wasn't the only one with uh, language models in their, uh, in, integrated in their cars. BMW announced a partnership with Amazon. So they're using Amazon's large language model. And Mercedes showed the, the CLA concept that they had in Munich. Um, and uh, they talked, you know, they gave some more details on that thing. Um, and that's also using a large language model. Uh, but that one was developed with NVIDIA, uh, which is providing a lot of the computing power for the next generation of Mercedes EVs uh, that includes the, the new CLA. Um, and that, uh, so those, the production model is based on that. That's based on the new Mercedes modular architecture. So that's their next generation EVs. Those are coming out next year. And that's going to have a large language model built into it as part of the voice assistant and a whole bunch of other interesting stuff. I like that it's MMA. So then people are going to be like, oh, I want to see how the SEO works on that. (laughs) How confused it becomes. Yeah. But uh, that CLA looks really nice in person. Yeah. I think they sharp looking car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the, the EQ lineup is the SUVs look fine, but the, the sedans are, Questionable. Blobby. Questionable. Blobby. <laughs> blobby, I think, is the word. I think the EQE looks better than the EQS. Blobby? But like Blobby is blob, like the blob. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they do they do look they do they look very blobby. blobby. And it's funny because you look at the CLA and you look at the in the EQE. Was it the EQE right yeah. next to it? Anyway, one of them. The EQE was, was was next to it. And you can see sort of the resemblance. But it's like when you go to go to high school and there's like a like a like two brothers or two sisters or a brother and a sister, and one of them's like super hot and the other one's just okay. And mm. there's like, well, I can see the resemblance, but one of you <laughs> Clearly got a little extra something in the womb. I don't know what it is. It's not the cars. Not the yeah. Skins. Yeah. Oh. What have you got the little extra something something? And I, I like the uh, the three pointed the Mercedes star in the lights, uh, in the headlights and the taillights. Yeah, I think that's a a fun little touch. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Yeah. Makes you feel. I remember you know, that used to be a five hundred dollar. You know, that's if you drive around, you ever see a, a, a you know a Mercedes with the star that's lit up. That's five hundred dollars. That's a five. That's a five hundred dollar option, and now I can get an ID four with the exact same thing. And I feel like people are with with those Mercedes for like years were like, look at me, look how cool I am. And then like the Volks, like you know the the Here boring Volks, Volkswagen. Woo-hoo. Yeah, the little boring ID four, which again it was built to be boring. It's just you know that's not it, that's not slight against the ID four. It's uh, it's just built to be boring, <laughs> a boring SUV. It's achieved its purpose. Yeah. It's achieved its purpose. Um, has the same thing. <laughs> You're yeah. like, oh, oh. <laughs> uh. all right. Well, let's let's go back to Honda now. Uh, Honda, and, yeah. And as as has often been said over the last decade, you know, CES is now perhaps the most important auto show in the world. And there's not not as there's not as many 
automakers at this show this year as there have been at some of the recent auto shows in at least in Europe and in Japan, you know, Munich and Tokyo. There were more automakers than there were uh, at CES, but um, there were certainly some more interesting cars being shown at CES than there were at the Detroit Auto Show last September. Um, and among those were the new Honda Series Zero concepts. You you want to tell us about those, Robbie? So okay, so the one of them is a saloon, which is a fancy word for awesome uh, uh, station wagon. And the other is a van. Now, if you've listened to the show for more than five minutes, you know that I love vans and station wagons. (laughs) So I saw the pictures of them on, you know, they sent out uh, photos and I was like, okay, okay, these look fine. You know, whatever. And then I went to, they look so much better in real life. So much better. And, and the, uh, the saloon looks like a a little bit like a Countach and like the best way possible. Not like Countach engineering, Countach design. Uh, (laughs) Because Kuntan engineering is not not something you want to strive for, um, but uh, no, they look they look really cool. I went I went over to the to the uh, to the booth, and the booth you could not tell it was the Honda booth for whatever reason, uh, and it was hey. just a bunch of people around some stuff. So Apparently of course, they didn't have the budget for signs. Yeah, they were, they spent all their money on giant screens and cool concepts. Um, but you you walk over there and it's just like so many people around. It was like a like a club. That you're like, well, what's what kind of club is this? And you walk over and you're like, oh, these these, these are here. I took some photos. And I looked at it. And, and I'm a big fan. Both of them look great. I mean, obviously, neither of them are going to come out looking like this. Um, well, well, the 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 van, which is called the Space Hub, uh, apparently isn't coming out at all. At least not yeah. in North America. Uh, um, of course not. But the the saloon Ooh, America. Je- Jessica Feeney from Honda told me that this, and and Chris Martin also told me the same thing. The saloon is actually the the, the first Series Zero production model in 2026 is actually supposed to carry over a lot of the design features of the saloon. So not quite, but mostly. Yeah. Is that so we'll wackadoodle see. grill gonna stay or lack thereof? It looks like a giant. It makes me okay. It makes me think of the front of a dustbuster. Yes. <laughs> It hoovers up. It hoovers up the bad things in your life. <laughs> I'm not quite sure I like that. <laughs> it, it it does look better in person than it does. It does. Before. It looks really cool I'll in person. In person, I was like, oh, this looks cool. Like, yeah, in but in this it, picture, it's a dustbuster mobile. It does kind of look yeah. like a dustbuster, or or yeah, you just grab it by the little handle, clean up. Right. The, it's small, clean everything up. small oopsies. You know, right. the cat knocks over a plant or something. The, the other thing that surprised me about the saloon is how big it is. I mean, it's very it is, big. This is a large car. Um, you know, it's fairly low, but it's very long. Uh, you know, it's bigger than any production sedan that Honda's ever built by fairly wide margin. Um, it's, it's pretty dope. Yeah. It's pretty dope. That's your <laughs> word of the episode. It's second it's, or third time. You it's said dope. dope. You know what? Cause I went to, I went to go buy an album this week and they didn't have it. And so I ended up buying something else. But the album I went to buy was MF Doom. And for some reason, Doom, MF Doom just makes me want to use the word dope. Okay. I don't know why. Uh, but I got Boy Genius, which is completely the same thing. Uh, music people in the, the podcast are now yelling at their, their, their speakers. They're like, that's not the same thing at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, RIP, RIP MF Doom, by the way. Uh, RIP. So the yeah so the ser- series zero is the branding that they're going to use on their next generation of EVs, and yeah, it sounds like the the Prologue and the the ZDX Acura ZDX are going to be one and done models for Honda's partnership with uh, with GM on EVs. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of, kind of like when they partnered with uh, Isuzu for SUVs in the 1990s. Oh, the Rodeo. Yeah. <laughs> the Rodeo. Yeah. Well, the, that was, that was the Isuzu version and the, 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 the Honda version was the original passport. So oh, the, yeah, the original Honda passport was just oh, a wow. rebadged Isuzu Rodeo. Um, and you know, then they, they did that. I, I think they actually did two generations of that. But then they brought out the Honda Pilot, and it's been all pure Honda SUVs ever since that. Um, now, and and the same thing is true here with the Prologue and the ZDX. You know, they they wanted to get some some kind of EVs on the road, um, and but then they're developing their own EV platform, and that's that's what's the basis of of these two concepts. When I went to meet with Honda and their CEO and their head of electrification in Japan in October of 2022, they were very much like, we're doing this one thing, but now we're going, we're, we're going for it. We're, we're, we're all in on EVs. So they seem very excited. And I felt that was, a, I, you know, you know, Honda's not clearly they're later than other people, but I think I've said before, it's a marathon, not a sprint when it comes to EVs. It's, it's yep. you know. Honda's going to come in. They're going to do that Honda thing, hopefully, and people are going to be very excited. A lot of people send me messages. Why doesn't Honda have an EV? Like, like it's my fault. <laughs> yeah, work on that, would you, Robbie? <laughs> I'm like, well, they just – I don't know. They're just slow to it. They're working with GM. They're like, I want a Honda Civic electric. I want a Honda Accord that's electric. That's all I want. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll tell them, I guess. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would love to have an electric Civic. Yeah, I'll I'll tell him. I guess it's it's on me. I'm sorry. Come on, step up. I we apologize. Like to... Electric Civic, make it happen, Robbie. Yeah. I apologize to the the fans of VTech that I have not made, <laughs> made a big enough stink our, every our time Civ- I talk to someone from Honda. Our, our Civic is seven years old. Yeah, you know, it's going to be time oh. to replace it in a couple of years. Yeah, you know, we we want is an electric though? Civic. I think you got wait seven years old. You got another eight years. So you got a good fifteen years on that thing. And anyway, I just rode. I just rode a electric Honda when I drove the Moto Compacto. That, that is so, true. So I get <laughs> off my case. So there technically, <laughs> I rode the first modern. Somehow, well, there was I the clarity, but the yeah. clarity was the clarity. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think my wife wants to uh, ride a ride a Moto Compacto to, <laughs> if you get uh, to, to the gym or It'd to. It'd be great uh, in the Whole weather Foods. we've got going on right now, yeah. right? What is it? Seven? You said there or something? Yeah. Be perfect weather for it. Is it yeah. seven or negative seven? That's a big difference. Well, it was it was, <laughs> it was almost negative seven this morning. Okay, so that's minus be, five. That's a tough um, ride to the gym. Yeah, it, it got up to a high of seven. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> Woo! And I, yes. and I don't think that you know that with the ice and you know packed snow and stuff on the roads, I don't think the Moto Compacto would do very well on this stuff. <laughs> it would have a little trouble. <laughs> it, it would be challenged. Yeah, to say the uh, least. Yeah, it's got small tires, and those tires definitely are not made for snow. They're not. They're not. They're not Blizzaks. They don't have yeah. like teeny they're tiny Blizzaks. You know, I'm yeah. going to see Bridgestone in a few weeks. I will ask them if they can make teeny tiny Blizzaks for the. There you go. Blizzaks. <laughs> they're like, what are you talking about? You're like, wait, 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 hold. He wants to make. Okay, you want three inch, four inch tires for a thousand people. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. Not everyone's going to need them. Just the people who bought a Moto Compacto who want to ride in the snow. So really, five people. Okay, <laughs> Sam, his wife, and three other crazy people. Mike Austin. Yeah, Mike Austin. There, yeah, there's Mike. three people. Yeah, that's right. You got to market. It's worth it. The engineering effort is worth it. The engine. Yeah, all of that is worth it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um. So LIDAR, 
Um, there was a surprising number of LiDAR announcements at pew, CES. Pew, pew. That's, a, um, that's the sound LiDAR makes. You didn't yeah. know that. if you've... Have, have, have either of you ever seen LiDAR on a car, on a production car? A production car? Okay, wait, hold well, on. Well, so, you have, Robbie. I have. Yeah. That's, but that's, that, I'm, yeah, uh, okay. I don't think so. Because, you know, the, the Lucid Air has, has a LiDAR sensor on it. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I have then. Yeah. There you okay. Go. Yeah. And it's from it's from a company, a Chinese company called RoboSense. Um, and RoboSense and Hisai are the two largest manufacturers of LiDAR in the world. Um, can you guess how many cars are expected to be sold in China this year with LiDAR on them? Oh god. Wait, wait, wait. Are we talking about models or the like total amount uh, to- of cars? Total total unit volume. How many how oh, many gosh. vehicles will be sold in China this year with LiDAR? 1.5 million. Nicole? I have to pick a number. Oh my gosh, is this like uh um 1.4 million. They're they're projecting 2 million cars with LiDAR this year in China. Yeah. Wow. And, 2 million. And and RoboSense and Hisai are both shipping about 50,000 LiDAR sensors a month now. Hmm. Um which is, you know, way more than anybody else. That's uh, that's amazing. Um, and they have new sensors that they introduced um, at uh, at CES that are high performance lidars that are for so for the Chinese market where they generally tend to drive lower speeds than we do here. Um, you know they don't necessarily need as long a range. They don't need lidar sensors with three four hundred meters of range uh, because you know if you're not going that fast, you know 150 200 meter lidar sensor is fine. Um, but uh, they they both launched th- uh, 300 meter lidar sensors uh, the last week that are going to be priced at about 500 bucks. And it wasn't that long ago that lidar sensors with that kind of range would cost many thousands of dollars. Wow! And and even um, even the uh, like the Luminar Iris lidar that Mercedes is using and Volvo is using. Um, those, you know, those are close to a thousand bucks for those. Uh, so the, the, the Chinese LIDAR companies are getting really aggressive and both companies are also looking at adding production capacity outside of China, like in North America or, or, you know, somewhere else close by, um, to target these markets here. So, you know, if they can, if they can sell LIDAR sensors with 300 meter range at 500 bucks or less, um, that's yeah. You know, That's a big deal. Yeah, you're gonna start seeing a lot of lidar showing mm-hmm. up on cars. And get one on my yeah. Moto Compacto. Yeah, for no reason. Along <laughs> with, it, with that and your Blizzax. <laughs> my Bliz- yeah, I'm gonna I've, get I've the got, Moto. Comp- I'm gonna have the best Moto Compacto. I've I've got just the lidar sensor for you, Bobby. The <laughs> um, the Preact um or, uh, yeah Preact Technologies um uh Mojave I've I've got one upstairs on my desk that they sent me to try out. <laughs> It's it's a little um, it's actually designed for um, like uh, stationary applications, you know, for use in like hospitals and stuff, you know, to track patients, you know, if pa- if patients, you know, fall out of uh, fall out of the bed or you know if they fall down, go into the bathroom, things like that, you know, so they they can use the lidar to to see where the patient's moving around, but you know you still have privacy because it's not a regular camera, uh-huh. um, and. Uh, so, you know, it's a relatively shorter range LiDAR, but it'd be perfect to slap onto Velcro that onto the front of a Moto Compacto. <laughs> this and, is and awesome. Tie it into your brake system. 
I feel like this. I need one of these for the band because when you if you put if we put a lidar in front like for the for the Daft Punk thing that we're yeah. doing next month, we put a li- I, I've been looking for a cheap lidar. I put it on top of something, and then we show video of people dancing with lidar on them, like the. Yeah. Uh, like the Radiohead video from like the early 2000s. So I'm ripping off Radiohead from like 20 years ago. <laughs> well, maybe I'm, I'm playing around with this one right now, but maybe when I'm done with it, I, I can send it to you and uh, you can try it out that way. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, and then uh, Luminar that I mentioned, you know, they're, they're kind of the, the leader in LIDAR in, uh, in North America, uh, among American LIDAR companies now. Um, they, um, they're launching, you know, they, they've had their first LiDAR sensor in production on uh, a car in China, the SAIC R7, uh, since uh, late 2022. Uh, but it's launching in the next few months on the Polestar 3 and on the uh, Volvo EX90 and the next year on the, the Mercedes uh, CLA uh, and other MMA models. Um, they... They've been doing it for the last couple of years at CES. They've been and other sh- other events. They've been doing these demos where um, they have their uh, they have their um, the lidar on their test vehicle um, running side by side with a Tesla and having uh, little mannequins of uh, children child sized mannequins that run out in front of the car and using that for automatic emer- to demonstrate automatic emergency braking. And inevitably, you know, they, they do this at like 35 miles an hour. Inevitably, the, um, the Luminar-equipped car, you know, detects the child and comes to a stop without hitting the child. And the Tesla runs right over the child without even slowing down. Um, oh, children. Yeah. Um, and this year, they upgraded their demo. And what they did was they, they've added in not just the automatic emergency braking, but automatic steering. So now oh. it actually does a steering maneuver, and so the they have a, a shorter distance before the the child runs out from behind a car, um, and so you know it's not enough time for it to stop, but it automatically steers and does an evasive maneuver, and then uh, comes to a stop because there's uh, a little mini spare tire laying on the pavement in front of it, um, and they're able to detect all this with the lidar. So it's a pretty good demo. Um, there's, I'll have a, a link in the, um, uh, in the show notes to, um, a video from some, uh, TV reporter who got really exceptionally excited by the demo, but you can still <laughs> get an idea of the demo. <laughs> Except I've never been in a car. <laughs> uh, anyway, I've never felt more alive. <laughs> so, um, both of you have, uh, have EV chargers at home, right? Yeah. Yes. And do you, do you have like a wall box? I do have a wall sort? box that we, we we plug it into and it yeah. just sits there. Or or my wife just sort of hangs it on the little yeah. thing. She doesn't plug it in all the time. She's like, I gotta get to work. <laughs> yeah, we ours is hardwired into our garage. Ours is uh ours. We have a we plug ours into a uh, uh, NEMA plug-in that's on the outside of our house and it goes yeah. through a fence and then boop, there's our, our charger on the fence. So um, I also have one. It's, it's actually just inside the garage door and when I'm using it, I just pull the cord outside under the garage door to plug in whatever's parked outside. Um, the uh, Eaton 
uh, is a company that's been around for a long time to make all kinds of stuff. It's until relatively recently, it's been mostly mechanical stuff. But in the last few years, they've got into making charging equipment. And um, I got uh, got to walk around with uh, with their engineers, and they showed me their latest thing, which is um, their uh, EV charging smart breakers. Um, so basically, this is a little miniature EV charger. It's essentially looks like a a, a double breaker, um, but you know, like you would put use for a two forty volt circuit. Yeah, and you plug it right into your your uh, your panel. And then all you need to do is run a wire out with uh, from the panel out to the uh, to with the charge connector on the end of it and plug in your car. So you or or you can have a jun- junction box or just an outlet in your garage, you know, to to plug in, you know, whatever cord you got with your car. Um, and so this this little double breaker style adapt thing that you put into your electrical panel has all of the the connectivity stuff to talk to the car, talk to your network, um, you know, to, to manage the charging as well as the charging circuit itself for a 240 volt charging circuit. Um, and you can, you can get these for, for residential use, but you know, their real target market for this is like parking garages and, you know, apartment buildings, things like that, where they can just have an electrical panel there in the garage, put, you know, 10 or 12 of these things in there and, just run run the cable through it, run a conduit wow. with the with the outlets and not have to install all these wall boxes in the or pedestals in a parking garage. You know, it makes it a lot easier, a lot cheaper to do that. But pretty pretty cool little design that they have. Yeah, because you just oh wait, there's an app too? Yeah. There's an app. Is the app that. worth it? Oh, I didn't even think there was an app. I was like, yeah, oh, for, you just set the you just set the uh, the the scheduling through the car itself because all the EVs. You yeah, can you schedule. can you can schedule it through the car, or you can use the app to schedule it. Oh, that's great. Because sometimes I have cool. people, you know, someone and, visits and they have a PHEV or an EV, and we just plug it in. They're like, well, it's not going to charge until you know midnight. So, and they're like, oh, that's fine, whatever. Yeah, or I mean, you can also use it, you know, to to monitor, you know, charging. You know, use the app to monitor charging. So, you know, if the car gets unplugged or something like that, or yeah. um, you know, if if it's if it's in a public location, you know, if, if they want to charge for um, <laughs> charge, if they want to charge you money for charging, um, yeah. you know, you can do that uh, through that as well. Yeah, they got an open API port platform. Man, this is pretty dope. Yeah, dope. Uh, That's uh, they, everyone drink. <laughs> awesome this is awesome that's really right. very cool yeah. there we go that's another word we could use cool rad, cool. rad. so e- easier installation you know less less cluttered yeah you know this big giant thing yeah. when, <laughs> i had a bunch of chargers in and some of them were so bright i would go out and I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> like my whole driveway like all three cars would be like this big green or blue light just whole <laughs> On everything, I'm like, the neighbors are gonna have to like find this annoying, right? I mean, yeah. it was you know, obviously no one lives <laughs> in my driveway, like but it just seems like okay, <laughs> this is bright. Uh, so um, flying cars. When are we getting our flying cars? Never, because cars are not a. If cars are cars. And helicopters Things or quads planes. or whatever. You know, flying machines are flying machines. Yes. Stop trying to make flying cars a thing. 
Because mm-hmm. that's just like the jack of all trades for the master of none. It's if a flying car is always A, bad at driving, and B, bla- bad at flying. And the second one is not something you want to be bad at. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. So what do you think about the uh, Xiaopeng Aero HT? I just, I, is I that how you say it? I literally was looking like Xiaopeng. Xiaopeng? Is that how you yeah. say that? Xiaopeng. Yes. You guys, it doesn't look like that at all spelling-wise. I had no idea how to pronounce the name of this. <laughs> it's spelled it X-P-E-N-G. <laughs> but it's, it's Xiaopeng. Xiaopeng. Um, so what, what do you think of the Arrow HD? I looked at it and then far. I walked away because I didn't understand. I didn't see the point. I, it's, it's, every time I see these things. There? Yeah. Well, they, they had a, I mean, physical, they had a, they had a fake, physical thing on the understand. Yeah. Know, they, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's not actually functional. No. Because um, I think they're saying, you know, they expect to have first flights later this year. Yeah, man. man. Um, yeah. But I mean, th- this is this is a nominally a car that has you know four things that that fold back into into the back of the car and your know, rotors fold up four arms that fold back into the back you know when you want to use it to fly you know they fold out to the sides um so it's not like you could be sitting in traffic and decide you know I don't want to be in this traffic jam I'm going <laughs> to take off there, there's no room, you know, because these things go out, you know, several meters on either it side. It requires a runway of some kind, right? Or no, right? it doesn't require no. a runway. I mean, it's it it's vertical like takeoff and landing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, well, it's just a, a drone. Really it's lot. a it's a car with a drone shoved on top of it. Is what it is. A very large drone. And it doesn't make. I and, just and this don't thing understand. Is, this thing is very long, but it's a two seater. Yeah, so it's really not very practical. It's. It doesn't make what? Why? 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 Why not? Why? I guess. I guess. I don't know. Cause you're because you're still they have can to, maybe. The or, thing well, with, well, maybe they can. We don't know because they haven't actually flown it yet. They got a lot of with, cool videos. The problem with with the fly, well, in the United States, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how it works in in other countries because I don't live there. But at the F, I, you know, I talked to the FAA like years ago about this sort of thing, and they're just like, oh, they still have to follow the rules. So they yeah. still have to get, you know, they still have to become pilots. They still have to become, you know, you still have to be <laughs> certified. I talked to, uh, you know, this, the, you know, the uh, Supernal, Supernal. Um, I just want to call him Supernal. Uh, Hyundai's uh, flying <laughs> machine. Um, and they were like, I'm like, what about pilots? And they're like, well, we're, we want pilots. And then they have to take like, they have to get a, you know, we're, we're looking at probably having a certification in addition to already having a, a, a uh, you know, a pilot's <laughs> license. So do you want people who are just like, hey, I got my car. Now I'm going to fly around. And no, no, I don't no. want that. No one. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just something everyone comes out with. It's always sort of weird. It never really makes sense. Like if you're going to drive somewhere, you drive. If you're going to fly somewhere, you get a flying machine. It's, that's it. That's, that's the thing. You, you don't need both. Even the cars that float, no one ever really got into those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was that one called? The, they have the, those in the a The Amphicar. They have yeah. those at Disney World. You can like ride in them. You pay, I don't know, eighty bucks, and you can all ride. Oh yeah, the, the giant, car. the rubber duckies or whatever they call. They always yeah. have them, and like cities have them. No, not like, the, it's literally Amphicars. Like they yeah. literally have them at Disney. Oh, World those little, the little ones. Disney Springs. They have the yeah. Oh. I think you can fit four people in them. Four. Yeah, oh, they were awesome. built back in the in the sixties, I think fifties or sixties. Yeah. And you can and, actually go for a ride in one because yeah. I did because I had oh, to. Did you? I was like, well, I got to ride in this. Oh, yeah, we have to legally. Out. 
Like, like if there was one here legally, I would be like, right, as, a, right. as an automotive journalist. It is you your responsibility. You can't just walk by that. Yeah, Correct. you can't, you can't responsibility. just walk by. You're like, hold up, everybody. We need to go ride this little thing and pay or whatever. It, there was some fee for it. And they take you out there. A guy wears a little captain's hat. Oh, you don't <laughs> get to drive it. Oh, boo. You don't know because it's like on a, an open well, lake like an open. It's like a lake and you could probably ruin them in their old body of new. water. They're really old. Would you say, Sam? When were they around? Was it the 60s? Um, I think they were built in the 60s. Yeah. Yet they didn't catch on. How weird. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can just get a car I mean, it's, or it's a, a convertible. Boat. You know, it, what what could go wrong? I mean, they look kind of yeah. cool. They just look roll nifty. Because they roll right out of <laughs> the water. You know the first one when they rode it into the water just rolled? <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they were built between 1960 and 65. Uh, okay. 3,878 of them were built. All right. There you go. Uh, so did not take off as much as uh, they thought they would. But no, Disney but I, bought some. Well, I read a story on them. I had read a story years ago on those. And like, there's like a little like get together people who collect them, like a specifically for that. Oh, yeah, they, what, they show up at uh, car shows and stuff all yeah, the time. But they have shows. their own little like fan shows where all the people who own them get together and talk <laughs> about their cool little cars that weren't. <laughs> there's a, there's always a few of them at the Woodward Dream Cruise here in the summer. Are there? Yeah. So cool. And, I love them. They're ridiculous, but I love them. Yeah, and at the oh, yeah. um, at the orphan car show that they do here in Ypsilanti in September, um, there's always at least one of those that shows up for the orphan car show. Oh, there yeah. you go. So it- yeah, the Amphicar. Um, but that I think uh, I have a feeling that there will be more. There will there are more Amphicars that were built than there will ever be of the Shopong Aero HT. Yeah, it's I, just, I really think it's just a thing. They're like, hey, we have some money. Let's do it. Let's have a boondoggle. Let's like show it off at a CES. A bunch of people will take pictures of it, and then they'll know who Xiaopong is. Yeah. But the, uh, the Supernal, I mean, that's... Although in that's 20, legit. In, in, in 2020, um, Hyundai announced a partnership with Uber to do air taxis, and they had this giant mock-up um, hanging in the, the Hyundai booth. I mean, this thing is large. It was huge. It was crazy, and it yeah. looked like it was from like Avatar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the first. Year. I was so I did video with it. And I was so tired. I was like, "Hey, there's a thing. Look at that." <laughs> I looked like a drunk person talking about a flying machine. But but you were you were at you know now they've they they the relationship with who with Uber has ended. Uber decided, yeah, we're not going to pursue this urban air mobility thing because it's probably never going to make any money. Um, so they, Hyundai's got this new this division that they're now calling Supernal or Supernal. Um, and you were at the, the reveal of the SA2, right? Yes, it was really cool. It was, uh, I, I took a little video and, you know, they seem to be doing all the correct things. I, I, I interviewed the executives after it. Um, it's still, you know, it, you're essentially just replacing helicopters is what these yeah. things are. Um, they're quieter than helicopters, even though, you know, one of the original issues with, with these, you know, sort of quad, octo, you know, these drone type vehicles, they were so loud. Like even the little ones were so loud. So, uh, you know, you, you, you know, you have certain regulations you have to adhere to in cities. And so this one, apparently it's as loud as your dishwasher like 68 hmm. decibels or something goofy like that. Was it 65 decibels taking off and 45 while cruising horizontally? That's pretty so, quiet. Yeah. At, so at what it, altitude? Um, it goes up to, I believe, 1,200 1, feet. There we go. Um, 120 miles. It does 25 to 40 mile trips. 
Um, yeah, I, you know, it's, they, they're going to have to figure out how to, you know, when, when we talk to them, they, uh, like, like say in LA and they're very forward. They're like, we don't know exactly how this is going to work out. Like we're talking with the FAA, we're talking with cities, we're trying to figure out how to make this work, but we're definitely building the flying machine. Um, and one of the one of the uh, things they were talking about is like they essentially have like tunnels, like air tunnels, like not an actual tunnel, but like uh, a guide Doors. for them. Yeah, a corridor for them to fly through through busy um, cities. Like in LA, you have like multiple in, in LA proper, you have multiple uh, um, airports. You have Burbank, you have LAX, you have Ontario, you have Long Beach, you have uh, John Wayne, you have all these airports. And so they essentially have to stay out of all the, the way of all these. And so in order to do that, they have like paths that they have to fly through. And so they're working with the FAA and they're working with all these local uh, places on how to create these paths. So you can fly from, let's say, downtown L.A. to, I don't know, Malibu or something, um, which seems that seems like a rich person thing um, that you could do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, it, you know, they're that's they're they're, they're trying to figure it out. Um, whether or not it, it works out at the end of the day in, in, in cities is that's that's really you're you're talking with you know the FAA has to like, well, you need to figure you know, that's that's well yeah, I mean, they want to keep they want to keep people safe in the air. That's the big deal. Sure, of course. But you know, with a forty five mile range, I mean is this even useful? It's for rich people. It's like the <laughs> helicopters. Lots of people yeah, get helicopters can go a lot more than forty-five miles. Forty-five miles. Yeah, but these are these I mean, are you actually could, you can fly in a helicopter from Los Angeles to San Diego without any problem. That's yeah. true. Or you can ask Michael Musio. Michael Musio tell me that all day. Um, yeah, and you know this it, it'll ride four people. It's going to have a person in it. They sort of like you know they're like well you know eventually if AI ever gets bad enough, but they're very much like it'll have a person. Yeah, it, it, again, it all comes down to: Is there a market for this? Do people want to fly from this part of town to this part of town, from you know, from here to here, without dealing with uh, traffic, with with the rest of us schlubs? Um, the hoi polloi. The hoi polloi. Like you know, if you if one of the things, um, one of the issues with um, events in San Francisco is that the uh, SFO is south of San Francisco and where everyone drives is in Napa, which is north of San Francisco, which means you have to go through San Francisco <laughs> or, or around take the, Bay Bridge, or take the Bay Bridge and go around. And then, you know. go, and then you get stuck in the maze over on the Oakland side and you got to take the, it's a whole, either way, it's a bustling city. So there's a lot of traffic. And so every time people come here, they're like, Oh, it took me two hours to get, you know, something that's only 40 miles away. So yeah. So you have like things like that. It's again, it's it's a it's an air taxi um, for a market of I'm assuming very uh, well off people. But mm. how does it make money initially? I don't know. It's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how how it because they have the technology. It's just is there the market and are municipalities going to allow it? And of course, the FAA, who's like you know, they're the kings of the sky. That's never going to happen. They're never going to allow it. Oh, the FAA. They, they, when yeah. I talked to them, they were very okay. open to it. They're open yeah. to the idea of it because they're like, yeah, whatever. You know, as long as you're following the rules. Oh, I guess you're following. That's the rules. their big I think, deal. I, and I think the FAA has said that you know they plan to have 
um, a certification system for okay. these types of vehicles for these what they call electric vertical takeoff and landing or EV tolls uh, sometime by mid-year this year because there's a couple of other there's a several other companies doing this like Joby and um, I forget the other ones now uh, that you know want to start doing some uh, some testing you know be, beyond just you know their prototype testing you know sometime this year. Did, did Supernal say when they actually expect to have flying prototypes? Because I, I don't think they do right now, do they? I don't think they have the pro. I think they're going to have it next year. I wrote it down. It's in one of my thousands and thousands of pages of notes or recordings of when when they were going to um, have ones flying. You know what? This makes a lot of sense. Hawaii. Oh. Well, because they the, those whole like flying around Hawaii tours. Again, though, Wait. that 45 mile range might not be enough. Oh, yeah, that's true, too. I mean, you know, Hello. even even on an island like Kauai, you know, if you're going from, you know, from the south side of Kauai around to Nepali, you know, that's that's going to be, you know, How far is a, that? That's 12 miles. I don't know. <laughs> that's, 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 that's probably about 25, 30 miles, you know, by air, you know, if you're flying out over the water, you know, to, to go around. Yeah. Yeah, I forget I forget the name of that harbor, um, but yeah, I mean, so, yeah, it's seventy three miles across. So yeah, and but and you have to take you take off essentially most of them take off from near the airport. So I mean, you can kind of go do it. You can kind of make it. <laughs> <laughs> sort of um, I think they had like hundred and twenty miles of range. What was the range number they gave I, me? I thought they said. I thought I read forty-five for this thing. That's the trip, the type of trips they're they're doing. The oh, actual range is the okay. actual range is much longer. No, they they're because they're, they're thinking okay. like we'll do three or four like twenty to thirty twenty to forty mile trips. No, the actual range is like a hundred and something. Okay, so they could do it. I that's what I was thinking because they're quieter than than helicopters. Last time we went to Kauai, we took a we took a plane. It was pretty cool. Did it fly around the island? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. It's a pretty sweet deal, except every once in a while you hear about a helicopter falling out of the sky. Which is yeah, not, that, that that has been that's known That's always to a challenge. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot tougher to, you know. And with these, if one of the propellers stops, you still got seven more. Yeah. <laughs> you're, so, you're, you're I mean, that, that is an advantage to these over a traditional helicopter is, you yeah. know, you've got, you've got some redundancy there. So it should Whole be a lot of redundancy. at least safely get you to the ground. Yeah. So you got that going for you, which is nice. All right. Um, the Detroit Auto Show. It's uh, been yeah. kind of sad the last couple of years when they moved it to September. <sighs> it's so been... they've decided to go back to January next year. I don't. Oh, <sighs> I'm fine with January, but it's not so much they move it to January. It's that it's on top of the. See, yes. You know, the thing we just talked about, all the news coming from. Yeah. My my guess my my guess is that they the Detroit Auto Dealers Association is probably giving up on having the Detroit show be a media event like it has been in the past. And they're just going back to it being purely a consumer event. Because Which is fine. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's those, awesome. Yeah, go to an auto show. They're fun. You get to look yeah. at cars. Sometimes you get to get inside of them. You know, and on the less busy days, it's it's an and no one's gonna come up to you and be like, "Hey, you want to buy a car? Want to buy a car? <laughs> we got one in the back. That, got a car know. in the back for you. 
Yeah. So for, you know, for, for, for regular people, I remember going to the auto show and just walk around, look around, have a nice time, eat a hot dog or maybe some nachos, get your sticky gross hands on the steering wheel of a, some sort of new Ford or Chevy. It's out. It's good times. Yeah. Cause the scheduled dates for the show, the public show next year are January 10th to the 20th. The 10th is the Friday, the same, the same day that CES finishes the last day of CES. So if they were to have a media preview, you know, that's going to be a day or two before that, which is going to be right in the middle of CES. Nobody's going to show up for that. Oh, I didn't even think. I thought the 10th was the media day. <laughs> no, because that's, that's the Friday. That's, that's when they, oh, they have Sam, the, uh, Sam, we didn't even follow the, the first day of, of the Detroit Auto Show is the last day of CES? Yeah, January but the, 10th, that, 2025. That, that, January 10th is the first day of the public auto show, which means yes. oh my God. So media the, days will be two days before. Oh, so the, oh, for the love. I thought I, it was the media day was the, t- oh. Yeah, so did I. No, yeah. that's, that's a bad scene. I have, uh, I have only been to the Detroit auto show uh, once and that was this year and it was sad. And it was only because I went to the battery show in Nova. <laughs> so you were in town anyway. So you I was in nice town to anyway. But the way it always worked out is I worked at Engadget, for, you know, when I started um, covering cars and then I worked at Car and Driver and I don't need to go to Detroit if I work at Car and Driver because everyone else works there. Um, but every year they're like, hey, are you, you going to go to the Detroit show? And we fortunately had two people at Engadget who lived in Detroit. So there was absolutely no reason for me to get on a plane, fly to Detroit after spending nine days in Las Vegas and then covering cars. We had someone there. And then most of the time, it, there wasn't really that much news anyway, because everyone was going over to CES, where they get a much larger audience of people to cover them. Yeah, I mean, up up until 2019, you know, it, it, for years, you know, I was doing a week at CES, and then coming home, I would have maybe a day off, and then straight into the Detroit show. Oof. I can't no. believe they did that. Until this, literally until this podcast, I had in my head that I thought it was the media day that overlapped. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, no. it's, uh, it's well, you know, for the peoples. Yeah, if you go to yeah. the Detroit show, you want yeah, to see trucks and it's, Fords. I mean, for the consumer, that's fine. But if they're trying to create any kind of news whatsoever, that's my, not my guess is they've just given up on that because I think I think I mean Stellantis has already said they're not doing auto shows anymore. Ever? And or is it just not for, now? for the for, not for the foreseeable future? Oh yeah, they're, okay. Yeah, they they said they're done with auto shows. They're just going to do their own events. And, you know, that leaves Ford and GM. I can't imagine any of the foreign automakers coming back to the Detroit show. So yeah. that that's Ford and GM, you know, Ford, you know, they had a refreshed F-150 this year and, and GM had a refreshed Cadillac CT5. Oh, yeah. And I remember so, watching that. Like, oh, and you're looking at the old one. You're looking at the new one. You're like, wait, what am I missing? Oh, oh I see it. I see it. I see it. I see yeah. it. It's like it's like tweaks really... to the front fascia, the lower front. Yeah, fascia. little little front fascia tweaks. Um, Add a new dashboard. It does get a new dashboard. That that is nice. more more prominent. So uh, yeah. Uh well, that's the, the oh, end man. of the end I of just, the Detroit I, show. Yeah, I don't understand why they did that. Why? It, the winter is so. Maybe you need. Well, I don't. Actually, do people have a, need something to do in the winter. Yeah, I mean, as a consumer show. It actually makes more sense to do it I in do the winter. Get, I mean, I get that. I get the winter move. It's the overlap. I don't get. Well, I've just totally don't you know, care it, about it, the media it, coverage. It probably it probably has to do with availability of the convention yeah. center. Yeah, and just oh, yeah. dates that it was available. That's yeah. those were the dates they could get. 
Yeah, they probably couldn't do it a week later or two weeks later. Is it at the? Yeah. It's downtown, right? So I think yeah, the battery honey. show is going to be there too. So yeah, the battery <laughs> show is actually moving to Huntington Place, but that's that's in September. That's in September. Yeah, thank God. So with oh, the original wow. dates that they had planned for the show for this year, so the 2024 show isn't happen. Auto show isn't happening, but it was going to be like on a couple of consecutive weeks. Um, yeah, so or there was going to be like a week in between the battery show and the auto show. Um, but now there's just not going to be an auto show um, in September. It'll just yeah. be in January. Yeah. Oh, the oh, the battery show is in October this year. So oh, it's going to be a oh, little it, bit yeah. colder. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. no, not necessarily. October was pretty warm here. That yeah, was that could be year. nice. Oh, okay, yeah. then. Yeah, October is pretty nice around here. All right. I just want Mike Austin to bring his Honda B so I can drive around the parking lot again. That's <laughs> <laughs> I just want the opportunity to drive Mike Austin's car around. That's all I care about. <laughs> If it's on, it's going to be fine in October. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, you can you'll definitely be able to drive that around. Whew. All right. Um, Android Auto. Um, one of one of the, the main reasons that GM gave for dropping smartphone projection from their EVs is so that they could integrate real-time vehicle information into Google Maps and stuff for, for routing and to find chargers and you know, figure out, you know, how far can you go before you need to charge all this stuff? Well, now last week at, uh, at CES, Google announced that Android auto is basically getting that, uh, capability for, for automakers that want to supply the real time battery state of charge data, um, to the, uh, to the Android auto version of Google maps. Uh, you'll, they'll now be able to do that and Ford and, um, Ford, Ford's going to be the first one to launch that on the Mach-E and, uh, cool. and F-150 Lightning. Um, so you'll, you know, in Google Maps in there, uh, you'll be able to see the, the current battery state of charge, estimated state of charge when you get to your destination, where charger, it'll give you suggestions where chargers are going to be along the way. I don't know if it'll be quite as sophisticated as what they do in apps like a better route planner. You know, where it can give you options of, you know, find the fastest route to your destination. How long should you stay in charge? That, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a lot of, a lot of what GM's doing will be in, in Android auto. Um, it's unclear if, if, uh, if Apple is going to have this capability in, uh, in CarPlay or not. Um, uh, but for, uh, Ford is actually doing a, uh, uh, a briefing on, uh, Wednesday this week in a couple of days on their next generation um, in-car systems. And so might get a little more detail on exactly how this is all going to work. Well, they have it. Okay, so so Ford worked with Apple to get EV routing and CarPlay a while back. Okay, so they have that uh, in there? Now? Yeah. Okay. I do know that Apple can be difficult to work with. Um, just a little. Just a little. That's, a you skosh. know. A skosh. Um and but but with Google Maps, it's only on the Android phones too right now. It's not on Apple phones with CarPlay iPhones? with Google. Yeah, it's not uh, Apple iPhones. Phones. Apple phones. <laughs> Apple so it's phones. not there. Heard you get stuck iPhones. <laughs> but the fact that Ford is like willing to work with both of these companies to like make this a reality is great. Um, I'm 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 really. I, I wrote a big screed long time ago that Apple and and why hasn't Apple and and Google done this because we're all using their maps. And they should, you know, figure out a way to do it. And so now they figured out a way. So that's pretty great, especially when, you know, my car doesn't have any sort of map. My car doesn't have mapping at all. 
because it's you know they're like you're going to use your phone the just use your phone oh yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah yeah just use your phone it's like when i do with the smart when the smart 42 first came out they're like yeah we just there's a little thing you put your phone in because you're not going to don't even bother <laughs> it's like it's going to be your phone it's going to be your phone the phone's the thing you're used to the phone's the thing you take everywhere um so yeah so no this is great i think it's 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 good for people who have who are who feel comfortable with google maps versus whatever the in-car map uh situation is and it'll be nice as more and more um, automakers support this and of course as more and more devices support it so kudos to ford and google high fives to them both and um they're they're also adding more apps excuse me on um vehicles that have android automotive where where it's all built into the car um so they're they're starting off with uh they've got a beta version of the chrome browser that you can run in uh, polestar and volvo cars cool um and um the weather channel app and um i think did we talk about uh, microsoft teams coming to android auto oh god <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! As someone who is constantly has to deal with Microsoft Teams, I'm not happy about this. I know. Um, I thought Microsoft for some reason I thought Microsoft Teams was available in CarPlay, so you could like reply with your voice to to messages. But I guess not. Maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, I don't like. I just, the whole Microsoft suite is just it's it's frustrating. And Teams is not great. Teams no. is not great. It's super frustrating. Do do you do you get to use Teams, Nicole? I have used it for various things and I hate it. Every, yeah. yeah, there's like a couple automakers are like, hey, welcome yeah. to our Teams thing. You're like, and oh every, my God, Zoom's right there. Yeah, every now and then there's something like, we use Teams. I'm like, you do? Mm. Awesome. And it doesn't work well with Apple. Like the fact, like, I don't know what the IT department. It's okay, it doesn't uh, work well with Windows either. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know what the IT department did to my my work computer to make it work, but I remember when I was doing interviews for SAE, like I could not get it to work on my on my computer on my MacBook Air. So I at the last minute I end up having to do it on the phone. So I'm holding the phone up doing a very important interview for the job that I, fortunately I ended up getting. <laughs> but it's like hi. So I couldn't. And it's like all jiggling around because I didn't put it on a I didn't put it on a stand. And it's like the last you know when I was like oh my gosh. I have plenty of stands that I could have put it on, but I was like, oh, I'll just use Teams, and nope. Well, they, so that's they, coming. Good and, luck. And, Android Auto already has support for WebEx, so, I mean, you know, there's that, so I might as well add Teams. <sighs> yeah, you might as well add all, 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 the, all the top. Uh, <laughs> WebEx. They got a real player? <laughs> uh, not yet. I think that's coming. Oh, finally. We're going to get real. <laughs> uh but uh, but yeah, you'll be able to use the Chrome browser now while you're sitting there waiting for your EV to charge from from Polestar and Volvo and presumably others that are using Android Automotive in the coming months. Cool. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Um, all right. Um, I had a chance to uh, to sit down with Henrik Fisker last week, which is always, enter- always entertaining. Um, and uh, we talked about uh, some of the stuff that's going on there. They've they've had some challenges. Um, you know, they didn't sell as many cars or they didn't deliver as many cars last year as they were hoping to. Um, and part of that is because, um, they, in the U S they only had three stores. Um, turns out, you know, doing direct to consumer sales for an automaker, it's really expensive. And, you gotta buy a gets you gotta lease some land, you gotta yeah. hire some people, 
people. You got to train the people. Yeah. Now you're taking all you that buy tools and equipment and got to <laughs> buy the tools or you could just say, Hey, you want to be a franchise like a subway or a McDonald's? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, everybody, you know, all, all these startups thought, you know, yeah, we'll just go to the Tesla route and just sell, sell EVs direct to customers. Um, and it worked okay for Tesla because when they did that, you know, they were able to get basically free money from the, from the stock market. You know, it's like, oh, we need a couple billion dollars more to build more dealerships or whatever, and, or more, more stores and service centers. And so we'll just sell a couple billion dollars worth of shares to, uh, to, uh, the market. Um, but now you know, the market's not so strong anymore. So companies yeah. like Fisker can't do that. Um, and, and VinFast. Uh, like if so, Tesla were to launch today, they'd be hosed. Yeah. <laughs> they'd be like in everyone, the same oh. boat as everyone else. Yeah. Absolutely. They'd be like, Oh gosh, Oh gosh, Oh gosh. How are we going to do this? So Hen- Henrik is hoping to have 50 dealers by, by mid year. Um, and so I've got, uh, got the interview I did with Henrik, um, last week. Um, and we'll, We'll run that here. Uh, before we do that, though, um, anything else uh, you guys want to talk about? Oh, we didn't talk about the VinFast Wild. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Okay, so I went to the VinFast uh, to the to the booth, and they had the Wild, and it's d- definitely a concept car, and it's passed through, and the door, you know, suicide doors in the back, and all the fancy things you see in all the concept trucks. Um, I didn't care because the VF3, the teeny tiny little VinFast, is my favorite thing in the whole world. Is I don't it care. really? It's so cute. Like, just enough room. I could, like, I don't think it has back seats. I don't know. I couldn't see because it was dark. And, but I could put the dogs in the back and just drive around my little two-seater. We could go to the park. Like the and go Honda here. Mini E. Or the, yeah, the Honda like, E. It was like a Honda E and a Jimny had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, they got together. They made sweet love. And then you get the the, oh, the it's VF. It's, I just right? Googled. It's adorbs. Isn't it adorable? It. You just want to super cute. Like it, like I shouldn't have rear seats. I hope it doesn't. I don't know. I didn't really even look it up because I'm lazy. Um, but <laughs> you could throw some people in the back. Throw some dogs in the back, or put like you know some a bag of something, a small bag of stuff, and you just cruise around town like a cool little EV. Uh, my, last night, my wife and I were driving home, and there's a uh, electric 500E for five thousand dollars, the orange one. My wife's like, maybe we should just get rid of the Kona and get this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, it only has like 80 miles of range. She's like, yeah, that's fine. This is the same, you know, when we first got the Kona. She's like, oh my god, am I going to be able to make it to work? This is 125 miles of range. Yeah, see, perfect. Oh, and it's a four seater. Oh, it does have four. a back seat, right? Uh, just fold it down or take yeah. it out. <laughs> Boom, done. Problem the, solved. The, those back seats are going to be too small for adults anyway. Yeah, yeah. those are those this, are this thing those is are, this thing is really small. It's tiny. Yeah, it's, really it's teeny tiny. tiny. Yeah, teeny, I, teeny tiny. Look at it. It's beautiful. It's <laughs> it's cute. It's um. I don't know. I I, I think uh, you you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone to, to to make it. I think Vinfast has a lot of capital. Mm-hmm behind them so they have the opportunity i think they were too soon with the drive program you can't tell yes. us that better cars are being taken off a boat in san francisco while you're doing your drive program i think they, that was an error on their mm-hmm. part um i haven't driven anything new from them so the newest versions of the cars the ones that apparently are better that they told us to our faces these are the better ones but you're driving the old ones <laughs> so you should go down to the dealer and take one for a test drive 
I should. I should go down. There's literally one down the street from my house. Um, but, you know, when Hyundai came over to the United States, those were horrible cars. Yeah. Just complete trash. Like, no I, one I should have bought those. I think VinFest got off to a really rocky start because of that early, too early. Too early. I, I said at the time, like, just let it cook for another six months. You guys, this isn't ready. <laughs> Chill. This is just not ready. Like, hold off. And they didn't. I think if they'd held off they would have it would have been an entirely different launch experience entirely i think if they different i think if they have held off until the spring and like just did a lot more testing a lot more testing a lot more testing maybe did a long mm-hmm. i think they probably would have it, it, it wouldn't be the situation that they're in now where people are like boo yeah i agree <laughs> i agree now, I, I still know. think they can i mean i still think they i can. think they can i think they can make it well i mean but also they just like got rid of their ceo because the chairman is now the ceo but i've heard mm-hmm. like rumbling the old ceo from, is now the chairman i think but then the old ceo is like the issue that's the, the the i don't know they that 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 right there that's your your issue just put someone in charge let them do their job don't micromanage them you have a whole other vin like conglomerate super thing to take care of i think there was like super we got to move quickly i think they wanted to move quicker than they should have and i think someone needs to come in and say slow it down they're on ceo number four you need ceo number five to come in and say i will take this job but you gotta leave me alone and let me do my job <laughs> yeah but that's not whoever, gonna happen whoever that is he or she um good luck with that okay um <laughs> But the VF3 right. people, go look at it. Just go look at it. It's just it's it's delightful. 125 miles around town. Goofy little car. All right. Nice stuff. <laughs> Sounds um, like you guys are both fools. <laughs> I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, um I I remain I mean based on um you know, what I heard what I what I heard from Nicole and and others who went to Vietnam and had the tour there. I remain somewhat dubious of of their prospects, but you know we'll see. They did uh, a good job making fake BMWs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they just you know they licensed the 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 whole the the platform and made some BMWs that people liked. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, EVs right. are harder than you think. Software oh, yeah. is not easy. Definitely settle down. Yeah. Settle down. G- it's not GM, a... de- GM definitely knows that. A GM though, like well, Volkswagen, first, Volks- Volvo. Volkswagen learned that. Like, yeah, yeah everyone's figured well, it out. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and Volkswagen. You know, that was another thing that, that I saw at CES. You know, Volkswagen uh, a couple of years ago they announced, yeah, we're we're going to have Carryad do all our ADAS and automated driving software going forward, and we're going to use Qualcomm uh, Snapdragon Ride platform. And now at CES, um, you know, I was talking to somebody else who does not work for Volkswagen, but who is familiar with what's going on. Um, and Mobileye, uh, during Amnon Shashua's um, present- annual presentation, um, you know, he was going over some of the design wins that they have for uh, supervision and and um, their chauffeur system. And you know, he listed um, major Western OEM um, without saying who it was. And from a conversation I had with somebody else, it's Volkswagen. Volkswagen has oh, basically go. given up on Carriad trying to do their ADAS and, and automated driving stuff. And they just, just give it all to Mobileye. Just let them do it. Yeah. yeah. Those guys Major know what Western they're doing. OEM. That's yeah. my, so that's what uh, I want on so, my bio. Yeah. So, so <laughs> the, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the V, the, the VW ID buzz robo taxis that they're developing, 
those used to be running with um, Luminar Iris LiDAR sensors. Um, after they switched from Argo to Mobileye, they were using the Luminar sensors. Now they've switched the LiDAR sensors to the Innoviz 2 uh, from Innoviz, an Israeli startup. Um, and Innoviz is also supplying the LiDAR sensors for a whole bunch of Volkswagen Group vehicles over the next several years. And uh, so uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Volkswagen is the uh, the company that uh, Dr. Shashler was, was, re- was referencing without actually saying it. Major Western OEM. Yeah. <laughs> Major Western OEM. Uh, all right. Um, let's call it a show. Um, I will drop in uh, my conversation with Henrik Fisker here, and we will talk to you all next week. Bye. 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 All right. So, Henrik, yeah. uh, like we last talked in Munich. Oh, yeah, I ran into you for chat for a few minutes, but yeah. it's been a while since we had a, a good lengthy talk about the, the company and, and what's going on. Yeah. So, um, you didn't hit your production targets, your delivery targets for 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, you did unveil a bunch of new products that are coming up. So, let's start with kind of an overview of the state of Fisker City. So, I mean, I think, I, I don't know of any car company that hit their production numbers last year coming out <laughs> of COVID, yeah. but I think that for us, it obviously our first car, it's, it's difficult for any startup when it's your first year and you're all excited, and then you get a call and, you know, one of your suppliers has gone bankrupt, mm-hmm. and then you have to negotiate with the German government and get your tools out and move them somewhere else. The production has stopped. So I think we had several of these type of supplier issues was hampered us. And then we got to November and we finally said, okay, we're going to do 10,000 this year, which we then hit. It was obviously far below. Um, so we ended with 10,000. We ended with delivering 4,900 vehicles, which is still, you know, quite a lot of revenue. If you just consider every vehicle is just over 70,000. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot for us, at least, and for our startup, a lot of cash coming in. So that, I think, was really good. Um, what we then, when I started thinking about end of um, November, was I wonder, seemed like all the startups ran in the same direction uh, when it came to direct sales. So I went and saw a friend of mine, Bo Buckman, uh, which owns a lot of dealerships. And I sat down with him and we talked about it. And we said, is there maybe a way to do best of both worlds? Like, how can we do something new? So we came up with this concept, I call it dealer partnership model. I mean, it's still a dealer franchise. So I decided to pivot and change into doing a dealer franchise model with some new conditions, like no haggle pricing, larger dealer territories so they can do higher volumes and therefore hold the prices. And a whole bunch of other stuff. They'll also get you know part of the OCHI and stuff like that. Um, and the reason I did it was because I really realized as we had produced all these vehicles, it was a bottleneck for us to get them to the customers because we actually have orders for a lot of these vehicles. Mm-hmm. But we can't get them fast enough out because we only have a handful of locations in the U.S. And it's just not enough. I mean, the U.S. is gigantic and you suddenly finding yourself shipping a car eight hours to a customer. Whereas a normal dealer calls the customer and they come in half an hour, they pick up the car and they're gone. So we, I realized that bottleneck we have to change. And yes, if we, had, if we spend two, three years on billions of dollars, we can do it. But I don't think we have this time anymore and we also don't have a zero percent interest rate. So... Times are different. And finally, 
what we saw on our heat map of our customers is that whereas way back three years ago, all our customers came from three states. Now we have customers all over the U.S. and we can't serve them. So the fastest way we do that is by appointing dealers all over the U.S. So we decided to go for the dealer model, and that's really, for me, the important thing this year. How can we get up to deliver? We want to do tens of thousands of year calls. We can only do it if you go to a dealer model. And, and service is the second part. We have now passed and exhausted, I think, all the early adopters. And now when you talk to a normal person living somewhere, they go, oh, so where am I getting the car service? The early adopter wasn't so interested in that. Yeah. But we'll figure it out somehow, you know. Yeah. Well, that, you know, it's not like, you know, with the Karma or the original Tesla Roadster where, you know, those those customers were more likely to have multiple vehicles. They had multiple vehicles. They you didn't care. Something closer to a mainstream. Now you're mainstream people like, I'm going to drive every day in this car to work. Where am I going to get a service? I can't afford to have this down for three days. So that for me is another point of getting, uh, giving, having the dealers to service, taking care of the customer. So that was another part um, that we wanted to, to uh, you know, get out of this. So I think this for me is the right decision. We went a lot through the financials. It cost us money to sell cars too. So it's not like, yeah, of course we pay the dealer margin, but that is also what it cost us to make. So there's not a huge difference there. Yeah. So, and we're going to do the same in Europe. In Europe, we're going to do hybrid only because we already set up a lot of dealer points. We'll just keep those, but we'll not, you know, expand them. We don't have that many. And then we'll just start appointing dealers. And we actually are already in talk to dealers. As soon as we had this news, uh, we've got a ton of deals bringing us up, and I expect we'll start appointing the first dealers next month. And some dealers have existing showrooms that they would like to fill up, so we don't require them to build a showroom. We, you want a low um, interest fee, if you want, mm-hmm. low cost of entry, uh, so they can use existing dealer rooms. Of course, they have to change the signs, do a little paint, sure. And then they're up and going. And we'll do the education. We have all the staff, training staff for techs and sales. Because we have all these people already. So it's going to be pretty fast, moving pretty fast. How how many dealers do you expect to uh, to have? So this year, I want to sign up in the U.S. 50 dealers before mid-year. In fact, even faster if I can. Um, it'll be more dealers than that, but that's the first goal, to sign up 50 dealers fairly quickly. Sort of across the U.S., I would say maybe it's about in 35, 40 states. And do you... Do you also plan to add any more company-owned stores or just keep, no, no. keep what you've got right now? No, we're, we're gonna, in the U.S., we're going to close the company-owned stores. Oh, so you, we, only have like, only. we only have like three or four. Okay. So we're going to close those, but we're going to keep our lounges, which is the, you know, our brand centers mm-hmm. where you can go and see the car, which we have in L.A. in the Grove. We have in New York in the meat, uh, meat packing districts. We'd be even going to add a few more. That's just to support the dealers. Okay. And if we get a lead in that lounge, it get, whatever the zip code of that person is gets sent. So if you, if you go in here, the zip code will be sent home to you wherever you are, if that's where you got, you want yeah. from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, cl- clearly, you know, you, you, you know, come to learn, you know, that there, there's upsides and downsides to, to going direct. And, and, and I also think to, the time you're at. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago when Tesla did, or whenever it was, 15 years ago now, um, it was a different time. You were only dealing with enthusiasts and, and early adopters, and you had a 0% interest rate. Mm-hmm. You, you, and and a lot of capital expense to, to setting up your own network. And they took service. five or some years to do it. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have five years. Yeah. 
So there's all these things coming together. Now, when we originally thought about it, we didn't know that we were going to have this interest rate. We didn't know it's going to take so long to close the real estate deals. So you also have, as a, as a startup, one of the good things is you can adapt quick. So I don't need to talk about this for a year to make a decision. We talked about it for months or so. And then we just say, you know what? This is what we need to do to accelerate faster because we have the demand. We just got to be able to fulfill it. Yeah. So yeah, if you, if you if you're building if you can build the vehicles, you want to get them to customers. Yeah, we don't have any problem building vehicles. Okay, and and how how is the relationship with Magna going on on the production side? Well, I mean, I think that we have gone through the difficulties of all the issues of suppliers, and Magna also had a few issues where there was shipping some cars that wasn't done, et cetera. I think there's you know in in any startup phase i mean we have some uh, software bugs we had to fix and and some of it was with suppliers not just startups having software yeah everybody has yeah but the thing is how fast can you fix them and we can fix them within a, a little less a week and we do software upgrades every month oh shit so we fix them really quickly um but and i and that's because we have a huge very smart software team internally we do all our own over there updates all done for san francisco uh, we have fully connected cars, so that's very important to do all that stuff and understand your own car. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go out and ask a supplier and then wait for a reply because there's many OEMs have to do that. So, um, but yeah, no, with Magna, I mean, look, they can build the cars. Um, I think now we're getting high, we're getting high quality cars. Yes, like any any start of a new vehicle production, you have issues. You have to solve. You have to solve them together, um, and you just have to get on with it and do it. It's it's not easy, but. I think we have done it. It's there. We got a great car. If I look at the quality of that car, I mean, it's built on this uh, by the same people on the same line than a Japanese and German automaker, mm-hmm. and our car is to that quality standard. And that's unusual, not only for a startup. And that's certainly one of the advantages of working with someone like Magna yeah. Schneider. I mean, they've been yeah. building vehicles for a lot of different yeah. OEMs for all decades. Yeah, yeah. So it's a high quality car, and pe- people actually. They actually comment on that. Mm-hmm. They're like, wow, this car like is solid. Mm-hmm. That's one thing they notice. And we have a lot of people from German premium brands. So it's almost like they actually came in thinking, oh, I wonder. I took a chat and they go, wow, this thing is like really solid. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they got surprised even though they've been used to it. Yeah. So besides that, you know, kind of what's, what's the feedback been like from customers? You know, what are well, I, I think we have a multiple. We have, I mean, we have a lot of people who love the car. They love the way it drives. They're surprised it drives better than the previous car they had. Mm-hmm. Some of them had electric cars. Some of them had gasoline cars. Uh, some of the people were maybe not as early adopters as we thought. So they have been, uh, yeah, it's been a little tough for them to deal with, with this sort of over there updates. Remember to push the button and seeing some stuff come up and all that. Um, so we have had some needed more guidance and help than others, um, because we also had people who came in sort of a, they call it an electronic car for the first time. Like they've never, you know, they came in with a traditional gasoline car. Yeah. And now they're like, wow. I mean, did they, I remember one guy was telling me, so, so how do, do I need to go to the dealer to get the over there update? No, no, over there means you'd get it over there. Well, <laughs> and, oh, really? What do you, yeah, you just push there, but then you have to keep the. So the thing is you have to keep the car locked and we had a thing where you had to keep the car unplugged to make it work, mm-hmm. the software update. And uh, that caused a bit of issues because most people leave clogged in at night. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's, and then that's, you forget. That's what you're, ta- that's what you, you, you're taught to do when you get, get an EV, you plug so, it in at night. So, 
So now we're making a software update that comes 29th of January where you, you can leave it plugged in. Okay. So, you know, we had to make a cut. This learning should get when you get out in real life. I mean, just some few dumb things that you think, oh, why didn't we think about that one? Yeah. You know, but it was apparently difficult, but we made it happen now. So there's been a lot of stuff that together with our customers, because customers give a feedback about certain things. And some of them have been like, oh, yeah, we, never, we actually didn't think about that. So, you know, there's been a, a few things like that where you just have said, oh, yeah, we, but you, you kind of didn't really know it because EVs are still new. And if you're, if you know EVs, then you say, oh, yeah, it's normal to do this. Then you push that button. But somebody who's never done it and never have a cover over their updates, it's just, which is the vast majority of people out there. Yes, exactly. We kind of forget it when we're in this industry and you talk to early adopters every day. And, you know, some of the early adopters, I mean, they put a tripod on the rear seat mm -hmm. during the night running so, so they could see what happened with the, uh, <laughs> on the internet. And, I mean, that's the type. So you got that type. And then you got the normal person who just wants to have a problem. Yeah. And they don't want to have any, they, they, they don't have time to learn. They just tell me how, what do I need to put in gear or gate? Fine. And that's it. They don't want any more of that. So you got very extreme. So of the customers, you know, you delivered nearly 5,000 vehicles so far. Of, of that customer base, where, you know, who are those customers? I mean, you said, you know, some of them are obviously new to EVs, new to, to modern digital vehicles. Um, but you know, where else are you seeing customers coming from? So um, we see sort of, I mean, if you, if you leave it out the early adopters, because there's less and less of those, mm -hmm. I would say we see sort of, I mean, there's many different nuances, but if I take sort of two uh, types, I would say one, if they come from an existing EV, um, you see some coming, if they come from an independent brand, already and have driven those EVs from a non-traditional automotive OEM. There's mainly one brand, there's not too many of those. Yeah. They don't want to go back to a traditional OEM. And they like the look of our car, they like to try something new, and they like the idea that we're independent. So that's one type of buyer. And they're pretty seasoned with how things work and all this type of stuff. Then you have the buyer coming from the OEM, traditional OEM, and many of those, what happened was, uh, and I talked to, like for someone in Germany, I talked to three of them, because I asked, hey, can I get three random numbers? And, it's, and the most interesting was a 70-year-old guy that had driven a BMW for 40 years. I mean, had BMW, only BMW for 40 years. And finally, he discussed with his wife, said, you know what, we should really think about being sustainable, we should like, get an electric car. And of course, being a electric car, but it was such a huge change. He said, you know, I want to sort of see what's out there. So for the first time, I actually did research. What is out there? And your car popped up somewhere. So you said, oh, it looks really nice. So you start reading about it and all the stuff it had. And I said, I've never had a car with all these interesting things like California mode, taco trays, <laughs> all that stuff. So he's like, this is really interesting. And then he's like, you know what? If I'm going to take such a huge risk, because I asked, why didn't you buy the BMW electric car? He goes, you know... It's like the same as I had before. Like, now we could really try something new. And, and they said the final aspect was, we kind of decided to do this for sustainability, and you are 100% sustainable, whereas my current brand is not. So we felt we're going to do this big shift. So we have people that sort of finds us because they read articles of somebody written, and, but it's done by research. 
is not because they know our brand. Right. And a few have followed it. So then we had some that followed us, of course. But many of those, and they're coming from the premium brands, European, and they just Googled us and figured it out. And like, whoa, it's interesting. Yeah, fair. Um, looking ahead now, you know, uh, how many well, how many vehicles do you think you're going to be able? How many oceans do you think you'll be able to deliver this year? And and do you see the I, I don't the customer base evolving from what you've got now, or kind of just more of the same? So your question was deliveries. So on deliveries, once we have the dealers up and running, I don't see any issues anymore with bottlenecking deliveries. So then it's just down to sales and production. And I think that we will continue to accelerate. Production be a very variable with Magna. They can scale up, obviously, to a certain extent. Then we have to go to suppliers. Yeah. So I think we'll be doing really good. We haven't given a forecast. We won't do that until our earnings. Okay. Um, but I see this as being a great year, an incredible year. And I think mainly because now we will be able to have that uh, uh, outlet of the dealers to be able to help us getting the car. One of the other things with the, with the buyer now being more traditional they want to go to a dealer and drive the car and get it explained. A lot of our first customers never even drove the car. They right. ordered it, we shipped them to their home, and that was it. Yeah. But and now now you want people to come in and they want see to some come of in. these cool features, yeah, yeah. The, the rotating screen, yeah. the California mode. They want to come and see it yeah. and experience it. They want to take it for a test drive. How is it to drive an electric car? Never did it before. So it's a new, new kind of demographic, and also they spread more. What we are seeing is it used to be just California, Texas, and Florida. Now it's spread. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not evenly spread. Mm -hmm. Sure. But it's definitely spread. We have, I would say, customers in every state. Okay. Almost nobody in North Dakota and South yeah, Dakota. So. But anyway, I think doesn't... there's like three V chargers in North Dakota. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, it might be the owner that ordered one. Yeah. <laughs> That's, um, so, um, our. Uh, do you expect to start delivering some of the other trim levels this year besides the extreme? So we started, we delivered the first Sport and Ultra last year okay. already. Uh, and yeah, we are, we are now, uh, Ultra is in the U.S. just because of shipping. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, the Sport because of shipping a little behind, but I think we already have Ultras here. Okay. So yeah, they're, they're going out now full speed. Okay. Now as we speak. All right. Yeah. Um, so last year you had an event where you showed off a whole slew of yep. vehicles that are coming in yep. the next couple of years. Yeah. And, um, you know, how is the, how's the development process going on those? I mean, let's start with the pickup with the Alaska. Um, yeah. So the pickup, we have actually decided that should be the first one to come out with because we think it's a really hot market. Especially because I've seen now that all the electric pickup trucks that came out or are coming out are full size. Mm -hmm. And ours are mid-size. It's like a Ford Ranger size. Mm -hmm. It's not as small as the Santa Cruz, it's like a Ford Ranger. Yeah. And um, I think it'll have such a unique, sit in such a unique market segment because it's going to be priced between sort of $45,000 to $58,000. So I think the price segment, the size is unique. So we want to bring that out first. Uh, and then, and that would be, we're looking at end of uh, 2025, like we said. Okay. We have now decided that Pierre Pro will be after, slightly after. So similar time frame. Um, both, I mean, the, the uh, uh, Alaska, let me stick with Alaska. The Alaska is based on the ocean platform. So it's a product we can bring fairly quickly into production without 
you know, you're not unbending everything in there. Right. A lot of, a lot of the core architecture. It's already there. We're going to use the same battery pack for the beginning. We'll switch to the U.S. later. And then we'll use same powertrain, the same old stuff in it. Electronics and all that. Uh, so that vehicle is it's, it's pretty much done in terms of development. The next step is going to suppliers. Um, the pair is also pretty much done. It's also next step suppliers. Um, what's unique about the pair is that that vehicle needs slightly more testing because it's brand new. It's a very unique steel structure where we have taken 35% out in terms of parts, uh, which make it much. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of interesting details yeah. about the way you design that with having yeah. parts that are interchangeable. Yeah, the cars. That, so that's that, that symmetry. That, so that's really a low cost, amazing, but still being a quality vehicle. We're looking for a partner for that vehicle because it's um, it, we want to do it really high volume, and uh, we want to do it both in Europe, U.S., and maybe eventually even India and China. So it's a big project, so we have a lot of discussions going on. Uh, the, the one point I know there was a, a partnership with Foxconn, and I it is, it's it's lying there, but we are talking with a lot of different uh, okay. groups right now. We haven't announced anything new on Foxconn. Okay, um, with the Alaska, um, yeah. you know, obviously since it's a pickup. That means it would be subject to the chicken tax. So no, we will make it in the U.S. Okay, that that was what I was going to ask yeah. you if you're going to build it here. Yeah. Um, is Magna going to build that here, or are you? Well, Magna doesn't have a plant here, right? So uh, nobody can build a plant that quick. So yeah. we will be looking at an existing plant. Okay, and we haven't announced. It's too early to announce anything about it, but it will be built into this. Okay, all right. That 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 would make sense. And then and yeah, you actually have but. Uh, yeah, access to the IRA tax credits with that as well. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that that price point, you know, I mean, you, you mentioned the size. You know, the the Rivian R one R one T is closer. It's a little bigger than the Ranger, but it's closer to that size. It's closer to the. I think it's close to full size. It, it's uh, it's actually closer to the Ranger than it is the F one fifty. Is it? But, yeah. I think it looks huge. Yeah. When I look at the length, though, it's somewhere in between. Is it's it's about six inches longer than a Ranger. It's it's actually almost exactly the same dimensions as a Jeep Gladiator. Okay. Uh, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's it's some right. It's right on the Gladiator okay. size. Well, but yeah, you yeah that price point you're talking about is significantly below yeah. where Rivian is. Yeah. And so that would you know give give, give you a significant advantage you know, in terms of. The, the market, you know, we'll take a lot more people could afford, yeah. you know, forty five to fifty five thousand dollars than seventy five to yeah. ninety. Yeah. So that's yeah, and that's the that's why we think this segment is interesting mm-hmm. because I think we'll have a pretty broad audience, and also the fact we don't have any competition in that price segment. Right. The others is there's time to get a lot of competition up there for sort of a seventy to a hundred thousand dollar pickup truck, mm-hmm. and so we we didn't want to go in that segment, and I think we have sort of put ourselves in. Making premium cars, but trying to avoid to get jammed into this eighty to hundred thousand dollars segment. Yeah, try try to provide good value proposition. Good value, yeah, exactly. Yeah, give give yeah. customers a lot for their money. Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. Um, so, uh, yeah, obviously, as a startup, yeah, it, this is a challenging economic environment to be in. You, know, you talked earlier about the interest, yeah, the interest rates and everything. Um, yeah. How, you know, how are things, uh, you know, to, to the degree you can talk about it, you know, uh, I don't know how much you can say right now, you know, in terms of the financials, but yeah. Uh, do you, do you feel confident that you'll be able to 
generated enough revenue from the ocean this year to, to really be able to sustain the company going forward without potentially taking on debt or I do. new capital? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, the, 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 I mean, it all depends what you want to do. I mean, anybody can spend a lot of money in the, in the car industry. So you have to size your business requirements to, you know, what, what your abilities are. But I think that we are very well positioned because of our relationship with Magda, where we don't own a factory. Uh, so we don't have that burden on us with, you know, 5,000 employees or whatever you would have there. Um, secondly, I think that our vehicle makes an up high volume. It brings in a lot of cash to us. And third, um, you know, I've already said publicly, we're looking at partners uh, that we you would, uh, you know, consider. Yeah, we're clearly going to need some additional manufacturing partners. Yeah, and, and, and you know, manufacturing partner comes other things, you know. I mean, you're, you're probably paying for things together and stuff like that. So I think we, we will size, our, I, my answer to this will be we will size our business to fit in the environment we're in. And I think that's one of the advantages of being a startup. I mean, that's what we have done with going with dealers. I'm not sitting here saying, oh, we decided dealer, uh, no dealers. Now we've got to stay with no dealers even if we're not going to make it. So we decided, no, we have to change because we have to follow and look at what is reality in the market. Nobody knew what the interest rate would be. Nobody knew what the competition would be. Nobody knew, you know, the sentiment uh, in the world or, you know, whatever might happen. So you have to adjust to that. I mean, yeah, maybe somebody had a plan about selling cars in Russia, but they aren't going to do that right now. They have to yeah. change that idea. <laughs> you know? So so I think we're, we're adapting to what fits in the current environment. And that was one of the reasons we always said we were, we were set on going into Europe because we wanted to have that Europe angle to be able to also offset if there's change in market condition between U.S. and Europe. And by the way, what we have seen is UK, for some reason, are really taking off for sales. We're doing great in the UK. We're doing great in Norway. So, you know, there's certain countries that just have picked up. In the US, what we saw was scattered out our orders. We thought they're all going to be, if you remember way back, I think Tesla sold all the cars in California for the first year. I mean, yeah. if we would have done that, I'd be like, oh, if I was all my cars in Austria the first, it just rolled them out of the factory and didn't have any bolt. It would have been so easy. Yeah. But that, unfortunately, was not the case, right? Yeah. We had to get them on a ship and a plane, you know, on, on on trains and get them over here. So you know, you have to ultimately, you have to take advantages of being a startup by reacting to the environment, and that's what our plan is. That's what we're doing. Gotcha. Yeah. Great. All right. Um, anything else? No, I think this is the biggest thing, actually. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. Uh, being being flexible and being flexible to the changes that that is how we're going to survive and that's the our difference to being a huge car maker where they can do that yeah right they they, they have to and they, you know you saw how they they plan certain things and then now they're cutting evs out and you know and making all these i mean they have to do these super long-term planning which we don't have to do now we're much more i agile. i think to a certain extent there's an advantage for us that there's been these cuts in evs okay. because suddenly maybe now we are coming out with some cars that won't have too much competition yeah, which is great. Yeah, certainly, you know, the Alaska yeah. you know, is potentially a, a really good spot because there's, at least right now, there's nothing else quite in that. There's that nothing segment. really in that segment on that price range as an yeah. EV. Yeah. So, yeah, you just got to find a place to build it. Got to find a place to build it. All right. Good to see you, Henry. All right, take All care. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Good to see you. Thanks, Matt.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.